Hello, everyone. We are finally here again. It's the Pioneer Perspective. My name is Brad. Alex is joined with me. Alex, we've been gone for two weeks on the day tomorrow. Today's today's the 14th. The last recording was on the 1st. So, hi. It's the 15th for some people. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two weeks on the day for you, baby. <laughs> Woo! Well, I guess for me, the recording was on oh, the 2nd, no, no, no. It too, released though. on the 1st. Oh, it released on the 1st. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So look at that. Two weeks. Yay. How, how have you been, Brad? I've been good. Aside from fucking busy. <laughs> yeah, I I just casually work 12 hours a day and uh, have school full time. And uh, um, yeah, I'm fucking tired all the time and I don't sleep at night. I hate everything. So I have this problem where like I during the week when I'm anticipating an alarm to go off because I have to get up in the morning. My body's like, you need to be ready. So essentially what happens is I fall asleep at around midnight or one. I have to be up at six. And my body's like, okay, you're going to wake up at two. Check the time. I have three hours left, four hours left. Sweet. Go back to sleep. Hey, by the way, uh, it's 312. You got to wake up. Fuck. Is my alarm about to go off? Oh, no, no. I can go back to sleep. And let's do it again at 430. And do it again at 530. And do it again at 555. <laughs> and then just be like... Oh my fucking god! I hate this. So my body is like, "What is REM sleep? What is that? I don't know what that is." I, I you just you I, struggle. I have been blessed with the ability to first of all function on sub six hours of sleep, Me too. generally, but also generally falling asleep within like five minutes. It's usually I go to bed. I'm like on my phone or whatever, browse to Reddit, and it's like, right, guess it's time to go to sleep, and I put my phone to the side, and within five minutes, I'm out. That's fucking And I just sleep insane. in one go until I have to wake up. Yeah, that's fucking insanity. You're weird. You are <laughs> abnormal. I don't think you're human. I think you are actually a reptile. <laughs> it's like, and it's also because um, I, I, I do snore quite a bit, which my girlfriend hates, but... The idea, but it's fine because she has to wake me up sometimes in the night. It's like, could you just shut up for like five seconds while I try and fall asleep? And it's sort of like I don't even notice, right? in in my In my head, I'm still asleep, but I it, apparently I'm basically like, oh sure, I like wait like a minute and then go back to sleep again. And my brain doesn't even register that and just it's like, nope, we're sleeping. It's beautiful, all the way yeah, through. That's fucking weird. Right. I will say once I once I have a night where I can't sleep, I basically cannot sleep for the whole night. And it's like, nope, we're up now. And it's like, can you do like that five minutes to fall asleep thing? Nope. It's gotta be like two and a half to four hours now. Enjoy. But that doesn't happen very often. Well, we've had some magic stuff happen in the last two weeks in terms of Pioneer, but we felt that instead of just go over all the challenges we missed and all that good stuff, we'll briefly cover, or at least I'll go over it really quick in terms of who won and just be like, hey, Alex, what do you think about these decks being like, hello, we're here now. Um, we have some uh, random questions or whatever, uh, kind of mailbag questions, not really. Alex put up a thing saying, hey, we've been gone. Uh, do you guys have any idea of what we can talk about besides challenges? We got some responses, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was super cool. Like we got uh, we got a very brief response because again, we uh, especially you've been very busy, and like obviously it's hard for me to plan in, um, because of the time zone difference. So we we're thinking like, hey, let's do something a little bit different, right? Because just go over the challenges, do the basic thing. Also, we are recording quite late in the week, so that kind of loses its value because the uh, we're 
obviously always already a little late um, with our editing cycle and stuff, but now it's going to be probably even later, and then it just becomes, like, actually kind of irrelevant information. So I threw went into Discord, was like, hey, you know, we we have some ideas for our own, and there's some ideas that we wanted to, could have talked about that we probably don't get the chance to, uh, but that's fine. We could save that for another day. Uh, but just ask, like, can I have some input? You know, what do you guys want to hear? And we got, like, six responses within an hour, which is super cool. Yeah. So thank you very much for everyone who helped. Um, basically, think of whatever the hell we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I guess real quick, uh, the last few weeks, the last couple weeks of challenges, we've seen Is a Phoenix take down the challenge twice, Burn win one, and our wonderful Naya midrange deck, which is actually correctly stated as Naya Winota in the Goldfish main meta page, which is pretty cool. Um, one thing I want to talk about Naya Winota, A, it's really cool to see it back again. I've been pounding the table for Man, forever dude. about how this deck should be back, and it's insane that it has not been showing up. Like, it's a good deck. Kill your opponent. Do it. I mean, no, I mean, what do you mean? Midnight Hunt significantly changed his deck Yeah, in right. a way that I absolutely did not think about. Um, when I saw the uh, Crew Free... And the professor, they worked together and they made their top five. And uh, Tovalar's Huntmaster was in there. I was kind of like, I mean, I guess it works for Winoda, but like, I don't know. I think you just want to do like Angras Marauder, one shot your opponent, combo we things. And they're basically like, no, 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 no. You get your Huntmaster, but you also get Brutal Cathar and uh, Tovo- Tovalar himself, which works with your Ranger class. And you actually have still your basically your combo wins with your Angraf's Marauder, but in this case it's Huntmaster. But that is like eighty percent as good as it was before. But your actual fair game plan is like seventeen times better than it used to be. Yeah, and that is like because I think my re- like response to that was spoiled by Green White Company in modern which used to be devoted druid combo deck and then it became basically green white company because it had this like janky backup beatdown plan with like um kitchen things and that sort of thing and that deck was just really bad uh, this is pre-modern horizons when it got like Adamri's call and so i was thinking oh yeah combo deck go- puts more emphasis on its plan b that's gonna suck because I was thinking of the Green White Company deck, mm-hmm. but this is great. This deck's really good. Uh, it looks that. super sweet. I was like, not only that, yeah. it's a home for werewolves. Here's our werewolf deck, basically. I mean, I guess this is as good as it's going to get for werewolves. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll get new toys. Again, we, we know that in Crimson Vow, they're getting just as many werewolves as we got vampires in Midnight Hunt. Yeah, so I guess we're going to keep Day Night. Yeah. Which I thought was going to be a one-off but i guess we're gonna more day night stuff i mean we get a day night vampire that becomes a werewolf i don't know i'm i'm a little bit bummed Ooh, what if we get vampires that become bats i mean that's kind of cool but i will say i would be disappointed if we get day night again and we talked about this in the top eight and i think also in the last recording we did is that day night is a pretty complex mechanic and you get like this token out, and so you got to track all all game long. So it tends to make it so that the other set mechanics are simpler. 
Like we had like basically yeah, every yeah. other set mechanic in Midnight Hunt is really basic. And it really like takes away from the amount of design space they can have to like get creative with cards. Which is why in Midnight Hunt we have seen a lot of cards that are just good. Like consider play with fire. Like there's not much to them except that they are just very powerful. But they're not actually interesting cards. They're just good. Yeah. And I hope Crimson Vow is not just going to be more of that. Right? I don't need, like... I mean, it would be good, but, like, a fatal push you don't have to revolt is, like, super good, but not actually more fun. And I like it when they bring in, like, more interesting cards, which can also be powerful. Like, Soren Imp- Impervious Bloodlord? is both an interesting and a powerful card. Mm-hmm. Which I like more than like just straight up giving us power. True. I mean, we're probably getting Madness. That's what it seems like, right? We got the, yeah. all the discard stuff early on. Early. Maybe Spectacle. I don't think they'll say it's Spectacle because that's going to be tied to Ravnica, yeah. right? Same way that, that Surveil's sense. tied to Ra- Ravnica, yet we got that on Consider. Oh yeah, that, that the card doesn't actually say surveil on it. Yeah, but it, it is straight up surveil one. Yeah, instead of opt it one is surveil. We just don't call one. it surveil. <laughs> Imagine that we're we're eroding, uh, scrying to opt forever. <laughs> I get to opt three. Opt three. Does it also mean I get to draw three? Mm, I like Ooh. that. It's like okay, I need magic the circle jerking to make a uh, like a. You know how you have like the Llanowar tribe where it's like three elves or whatever. It's it's three, <laughs> three ops. <laughs> yeah. Hey, would you? No, then I then I would you then I want card? the throwback to the meme cards. So I want it to be eight blue mana, and I want it to be got eight fucking opts. Yeah, and it's just I love the flavor text. <laughs> so it's just like a holy shit. <laughs> it's always <laughs> it's always that. In case people don't know the meme, just Google MTG eight fucking bears. <laughs> it's such a good card. There's the one that there's uh, there's so many of those where they just do all the different things. Okay, I saw one the other uh, actually today, and it was Rankle, and I I fucking lost my shit. Let me see if I can quickly found it. I, so it's first I'm gonna show Alex the the, the awful image that they gave Rankle. Look, look at this fucking <laughs> it's a deep fried. Thing. Yeah, it's a super deep fried Rankle, and it says Rankle, master of prankle for two and two black. <laughs> He's a he's a Lagankle uh, Creankle Fankle Rankle. <laughs> oh, I've seen this. He gets Flankle and Hankle. Whenever Rankle Master of Prankle Dankle Kankle Dankle to a Plankle, <laughs> choose any Nankle. Each Plankle does cancel a Cankle. Each Plankle E Ankle, one E or Linkle, and then Drankle Can. Just Drankle Can. Each Plankle can. So Crankle a Creankle. I want I want to get this altar on my rankles. <laughs> I would so run this. Just look at this deep fried boy coming at you, Alex. You already hate playing against Rankle, and now you're gonna hate it even fucking more. <laughs> I saw some I saw a similar one, I can't find it, but it's a tall pan. It said something like unflappable, which was indestructible, and then all these double flap, and it's just I, Sometimes I they it. come up with good memes. Yeah, it, it's so fucking good. We 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 love it. 
but I guess we'll get into uh, some. And actually, we'll like, go back to the challenges real quick, very briefly. Yeah, Winota's back. It's an actual mid range deck now. Leans more into that. Um, that's crazy. Cool. <clears throat> what a world we live in. Burns doing things because it has the fucking one mana better shock. Hooray. Um, and then Phoenix is the really big thing because it's 15% of the meta now. Consider is fucking insane with it. Having four out for Consider in the deck. Um, and it is the perfect spell slinging deck. We're actually starting to see. Um, we talked about last time the resurgence of blue white playing uh, things like um, the. What's the two mana kill spell that they got? What's the fucking Faithful Absence. Yeah, Faithful Absence. Um, some of them are playing main deck, um, like Rest in Peace and stuff like that as well, which we saw that in Historic a while back, a um, long time ago before it got all fucked up. But do we think that's a a bad thing? Like, do we are we nervous at all in regards to, like, how we're... Uh, basically, actually, let me go back. So, Alex, I sent you a text... Um, or a message on Discord not that long ago, I think like about a little over a week ago. I said, something worth considering. Are the graveyard-centric decks too good in Pioneer? We see decks like Mono Black, Vampires, Ractus Pyromancer, and pretty much any deck that runs Black main decking some number of go blanks in the main. We can also see some blue-white decks main decking Rest in Peace as well as, uh, as, well as some number. This seems to be in place to co- uh, combat Is It Phoenix, Ractus Pyromancer, etc., are we at the point where the meta can self-adjust? We do have a set coming out uh, with Crimson Vow, so we can't push the panic button too quickly because we have to see that adjust as well. Or have we been seeing this happening for too long to the point of needing to be addressed somehow? I, I don't know. It's 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 starting to give me like Yu-Gi-Oh vibes where um, the graveyard just kind of feels free. Uh-huh. So basically every deck is using the graveyard somehow. Yeah. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, you can interact it. Some things are stronger than others. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're good for now. Also, because, and I'm not, I'm not saying that Phoenix should be banned right now. But if you look at the metagame on the Goldfish, again, this is obviously skewed information. But just, you go... 30 days, Phoenix is 15.7. 14 days, it's 18.1. 7 days, it's Mm 19.1. Like, Phoenix is creeping up into, like, being played more and more and more because it's this... Phoenix is an incredibly hard deck to craft. um, And the numbers change constantly. But... With so many eyes on it and people tweaking it so much, it's creeping like up and up and up and up. And especially if you consider like again, seven days is a lar- is a small sample size, right? Mm-hmm. But the first deck is Phoenix at ninety point one percent. The second deck is Winoda at eight point two. So that's a pretty large gap between the number one and the number two deck, with the number deck number one deck rising. So maybe Phoenix is working its way towards a ban. Now, to come back on your question a little bit about the graveyard being kind of free, I again, we're seeing kind of the same thing in modern, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just they've put so many like small like things and, and bits and bobs that we can do in the graveyard that it makes it very 
hard like not to use it and i don't actually know if it's a problem because if everyone does it it doesn't matter that much i feel like most decks just use the yard for value and that's sure that means like main deck recipes like hoses some decks and just mildly inconveniences other decks which I think is also okay. Now, I will say if you start main decking Rest of Beast, there might be something wrong with your format. But if everyone's doing graveyard stuff, as long as it's fun to play, I don't think it's actually a problem. I think it's kind of fun to play with my graveyard. Yeah, I do too. Because it's this extra resource I get to use, right? Like, like my favorite thing still to do in this game, which I can do in Pioneer, is Coligan's Command Snapcaster Mage. That's just my favorite thing. Especially with how it works in Snapcaster Mage with Flashback rather than Hoax. You can play your Snap, target your Coligan's Command, block with that Snapcaster Mage, and then use the Coligan's Command it gave Flashback to to get that same Snapcaster Mage back. And that's sort of like graveyard looping and finding cool value in it. I actually think it's kind of fun. So I don't mind because I enjoy playing with it. But I will say it can get frustrating in deck building, where you feel like, man, this deck doesn't use the graveyard at all. And that makes your deck feel kind of bad. Yeah, I can definitely see that. But I don't know. It Man, Phoenix is just a weird deck, right? Because like, we, play, we play against Phoenix a lot because Risen um, plays Phoenix. That's the only deck he plays. So whenever he wants to play, that's what you're playing and, against. And the main streamer I watch is Ekros, who plays a lot of Phoenix. So yeah. I consume a lot of Phoenix in my Pioneer. And like the decks in Pioneer pretty much do you have a good matchup against Phoenix? And it's it's not an okay matchup. It's not a mid matchup. It's either you have a good matchup or you are losing to Phoenix. It's very night and day. But like, yeah, Phoenix but... doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like the deck that dominates. I don't know. It just, I'm I, I'm still I stuck in last year's brain where like we were just shocked that Phoenix came back at all. Yeah, and with uh... with no changes to the list really. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Initially, people tried the deck because of expressive iteration. Then they thought expressive iteration was a bad card, but yeah. then they kept playing Phoenix, mm-hmm. which is insane. If you think about it. Yeah. And now it's a... Like, nah, this expressive iteration card isn't very good. And now it's a But I'll keep playing Phoenix. Deck, for the most part. Yeah, and now it's a four over the deck. And Phoenix, obviously, with Consider 2, is one of the... If not... I would say it's the best deck right now. Yeah. Yeah. I but think. I think what makes it... And we, we had some questions in, like, basically our mill back. I think... I want to touch on one. Because we're literally talking about Phoenix. And they're basically asking, uh, it's a question from Piku. It's a two-parter, but we'll go on this one part because the other part is actually baked into another thing we'll discuss. And it's like, how do I go about beating Phoenix with a fair deck? And and I think that's what makes Phoenix bearable. Um, even though we have had this in the past and it hasn't been a reason not to take action against the deck. Um, but Phoenix is a very beatable deck if you come prepared. Like, you could definitely just take, like, in my humans deck, my sideboard against Phoenix is basically just four Deafening Silence. And it actually makes the matchup pretty bearable. So, and I was 
thinking of like, I want to go over like a couple of things you can do in most colors that can really help you in this matchup. So in white, it's mostly deafening silence. Do not make the mistake of thinking rest in peace has you covered. Because it absolutely doesn't. They can Enigma Drake you, they can Thing in the Ice you, they can just hard cast their Phoenixes. Basically all it does is it shuts off Treasure Cruise and it doesn't really do anything else that the deck gives a shit about. Um, so don't make that mistake that thinking, oh, I'll just board in a couple recipes, I'm fine. Deafening Silence does that more, where I feel like if your deck doesn't utilize non-creature spells, it buys you, like, a decade against this deck. Um, especially if you draw multiples, because they don't have that many answers to it, so you genuinely get to the point where, like, they almost have to go through their entire deck, and it just gives you while only casting one long creature spell per turn, and it buys you a ton of time. And you could just... Literally, once you get, like, a 2-2 two -two to stick, you're like, you make the joke, like, ha-ha, 10-turn clock, but that that's actually good enough. Mm -hmm. you, you, you've got 10 turns <clears throat> because of Deafening Silence. So that's a very good one. Um, if you're playing a red deck, um, and this is even a card that's, like, reasonable against other aggro decks, you could just play four magma spray that's true if you spray every phoenix you have to deal with like three threats and now i'm coming to some point because they're asking how do i do this in a fair deck if i think of a fair deck i do think of a deck that actually packs removal so you're not you're not starting at zero and putting four magma spray in like there's probably already some removal in your deck there's maybe some some Missy Immortars, if you're playing like a bigger deck, or like a Missy Immortars of Lava Coils or whatever. But like, I expect there to be removal in your deck. And then adding Magma Spray to your removal package makes it like, yeah, dude, you could sit there and spin your wheels for like seven hours. But if I'm just going to Magma Spray every Phoenix, then I'm probably all right. They are playing four Thing in the Ice, though. So like, that's always an issue for a red deck. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is a bigger issue for a red deck. But like, I mean, the other thing you could do is just couple magma spray, which is even good in other matchups. And then basically, as your phoenix specific card, you just put like two fry in your deck, or couple rending volley. That yeah. actually kills everything in the deck. That kills both. It's four damage for one red, so it kills a pre-transformed thing in the ice, and it kills an Igma Drake. And if they start playing uh, um, Crackling Drake. Crackling again. Drake. <laughs> yeah. Enigma Drake is not played in Phoenix, but I will never not make that mistake. Um, and I guess if you're playing Black, you're already playing some copies of Go Blank in your deck. It's just a really yeah, good so card. Yeah, go, so Go Blank's good against uh, from Black. And just just play four. If you're mm -hmm. not main decking some, put a couple on sideboard. Obviously, um, there's also. Um, colorless cards here that work, like Scrappling Claws or Tormod Script, but I think the main thing here is, is that you don't want to just like hate out their graveyard and think that that'll do, because it doesn't. Um, out of green, if you're playing like big green idiots, uh, Elder Gargaroth is exceptionally hard for them to deal with, without like having to two-for-one themselves or something, or... Um... Though it's not amazing... The green cards are a little bit harder. Uh, scavenging ooze can be nice, but kind of doesn't do enough. So if you're in mono green, 
you might be in a little bit of trouble in this matchup, which I guess is part of the reason we don't see any mono green. You play Elder Gargaroth and just pray. Yeah, you break Elder Gargaroth. It's hard for them to deal with, but not impossible. So you hope it gets you there, but if it doesn't, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. So that's a little bit harder. Um, and if you're playing blue, I mean, Mystical Dispute's your best friend in the matchup. Yeah. Um, you can Aether Gust too. Yeah, Aether Gust, not amazing, but Aether Gust works. But if you're in some sort of mono blue deck, I would definitely start looking at some colorless cards to help you out too. Mm -hmm. Like a Scrabbling Claws, a Soul Guide Lantern, something like that. You're gonna you're gonna need to have some backup. Especially because your mystical dispute will be met by their mystical dispute. Uh... And then there's some multicolored cards. Nars uh well, first monocolored Narset's pretty nice. Um if it lands, there's a it's very hard for them to deal with. Especially because they've kind of shied away from cards like Fry. Um, and even like their shocks or uh, play with fires are sometimes like magma sprays or fiery impulses. So they don't even hit her. Mm. Um, multicolored cards, Notion Thief is like, that could just be lights out. If you land a Notion Thief at the right time, you basically just won the game. Because half the cards in their deck say spent mana to have your opponent draw cards. Yeah, there's a. I mean, you look. There's a. Uh, there's you, just a lot of different ways to attack. Yes. Yeah. Like also, important. again, because the the phoenix is the only recursible threat. If you have some form of removal that is also recursible in some way, maybe you're doing like some sacrifice shenanigans in your junk deck. It could actually be kind of hard for them to win a game. If you because they have like six cards you actually have to kill, and then. Your Mayhem Devil is just going to, like, ping away at their Phoenixes every time they come back. Now, they have counterplay for that with Anger of the Gods, etc. So, it's not perfect. But that that can also be a game plan. I'm just staring at this fucking list. And there's just... <laughs> the Phoenix lists are always really funny to me. Some are playing that new um, Play With Fire. Um, some are just not playing it at all. Um, we're seeing pieces of the puzzle get played a lot more, too. Um, I don't know, man. I wonder how the Winota matchup is. Um, didn't they play that on versus live? Maybe. It's it. It seemed like it really boiled down to can it, at the moment they swing with Winota in play, the game probably ends. So if you manage to hold back Winota, you're probably in good shape, which the deck is pretty adept at doing. So I'd say it's probably decent for Phoenix, but you could definitely get like caught out in a game and then you like randomly get one shot by some Doblerone's Huntmasters. Well, might as well go through the list of the other questions we got. Um, we should start with Sean, who had two questions. Um, we, he had one that he gave us actually, what, a week ago or so? And then he gave us another one today. The best one, though. Is the one he gave us today, Alex? Alex, what is the question that Sean asked? Let me quickly grab a drink because I'm going to need a smooth throat for this one because we're going to do a lot of talking. <laughs> we're definitely keeping this part <laughs> in the fucking recording. I'm not editing this out. Uh, 
actually, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to keep talking and I'm not going to add this out either because I'm just going to go ahead and do our reminders right now while Alex is getting a drink. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are the Pioneer Perspective. We are the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. If you want to play some Paper Magic and join us and play some other options, go ahead and join us here. We also have merch on InkGaming.com. You can go ahead and hit the link down below. Alex, welcome back. I'm doing reminders of the door in the middle of the episode just because I didn't feel like editing. Hey! <laughs> we have a uh, merch at InkGaming.com. There's two links available in the description. The first one is the actual store for us, Pioneer Perspective. It's also some uh, PlayAway merch. If you don't want any of that, you can go ahead and hit the other link, and there's just available options for all of Ink Gaming, and we get some proceeds from that. Alex has Twitter at the Cyber Bolus. I have Twitter at Bratzifer. And uh, Alex is back with a drink, and you're going to have a smooth throat for this wonderful discussion on pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? Yes, 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 yes. Resounding yes. All right. I will start this off by, I think we had a peanut butter and jelly question before. And I said, well, the problem with this one is that I hate peanut butter. The problem with this one is that I hate pineapple. So, for me, it's a no, just because there is pineapple on my pizza. However, in my book, there is no fruit you can replace this with. Because, first of all, fruit should probably be part of your dessert. It's not like, why is it in your main meal? Why is it warm? I hate warm fruit. I think it's gross. So, pineapple should not be on a pizza for literally every reason. Pineapple is gross. Fruit should probably not be part of your main course. Fruit shouldn't be warm. So, and, and fruit contains a lot of water. So, if you have, like, a pineapple pizza, what I've seen is that, like, the like when you put it in the oven, it makes the part under the pineapple soggy, too. Nope. So, like, it, it's bad in every... But you could probably fix that. You could probably work around that part if you, like, know what you're doing. But, No. Absolutely not. Pineapple does not belong on a pizza. It's so good. You get the beautiful combination of savory and sweet from the salt, from the cheese and the sauce and like things like the ham or whatever. And you get the nice balance of the little bit of bite and tartness and sweetness from the pineapple. And when you grill or bake a pineapple, especially grilled pineapple, oh my God, pineapple on a fucking burger, phenomenal with some uh, like teriyaki nope. sauce now, and I, stuff. Ooh. I have had... My brother once made a dessert from the barbecue that was basically like pineapple off the barbecue with like some other things. That was actually pretty decent, but I will say I actually enjoyed it more once my pineapple cooled down. So <laughs> I had this, it was like pineapple with like ice cream and stuff. And I kind of just like put the ice cream on top of the pineapple, waited a moment and then ate it. And it was actually pretty nice. Amazing. But you get savory but, and sweet, Alex. That very nice but complimentary. Especially once you mention, like, oh yeah, you've got the got the salt of the things. Like, Brad, I despise the combination of salty and sweet, except in popcorn, where it's actually a decent combination somehow. But I guess that's because popcorn sort of like is supposed to be salty, but it's also supposed to be sweet because you can kind of go with either. Mm -hmm. So then, if you mash it, okay. But like. Anything that has salted caramel in it is like an instant turnoff for me because I hate it. Well, that's a, that's an overwhelming salty like, and sweet where it's like a super like this is a sweetness that the pineapple is a tart kind of sweet. So it's kind of like, OK, have you ever had like, yeah, like it's, have, you, have you ever had a salad with like strawberries in it? Yeah. Do you like that? No. Oh, 
<laughs> I don't know. I am I very particular about my fruit. I like fruit, but I usually have like if I have fruit, it's like just fruit, maybe with like ice cream or cream. Or it could be like in like a in like a what do you call these things? Like in like a trifor or something, mm. and it's also nice. But there is that's this, again more like a dessert thing. There is this pizza place in downtown St. Pete that I go to with some teacher friends, and um, they have a, first off, Alex, they have a beer wall where you get you can go Ooh. and pay for a little wristband, and like the beer wall is like you have to hold the wristband up to it. It's self serve. It's all like a like it's literally like eighty beers on tap. You just go up, hit the thing, deadly, and you, yeah, it's super deadly because the prices are vague. Because what they say is like, hey, this beer is thirty nine cents an ounce, and I'm like, what a steal! And you know, then you kind of remember how many ounces are in a pint, and and then you <laughs> then you have five beers, and you're like, why did I spend eighty dollars on beer? Um, <laughs> and but then once you start drinking more and more. You, oh, you Brad! If I ever, if I ever come to the states, I need to take a fucking chart with me of how to convert these stupid units that you all use. <laughs> like, like thirty nine cents an ounce, and it's just like these kids would be very angry if they could read this, and it's just me. <laughs> like, Brad, what does this mean? What is an ounce? Well, and this, they have the beer wall. It's great, uh, but they have really good fucking pizza. The last time I was there, they uh, they had one that's called the Sunburnt Hawaiian. Well, just a Hawaiian pizza with, like, you know, um, I know, it's great. Uh, what a great name for a pizza. Well, the reason it's called Sunburnt Hawaiian is because it has jalapenos on it, too, in addition Ooh, to the, uh, the ham and the, and the uh, pineapple. And... I do not handle spicy food well, so this would go down oh, even worse than just a pineapple pizza. It was so good. That's the way to do it. If you want, if you want pineapple on pizza, also get some jalapenos in that bitch. And... Ooh. I am too white for spicy food. It's just, I, I cannot handle it. Is mayonnaise spicy for you, Alex? Mayonnaise is disgusting. So <laughs> you're clearly not that white because you don't like mayonnaise. You're, you're no okay. You're not American white. <laughs> it's like I'm fri- European it's white. Up fried mayo. Have you ever seen that? That's a I thing. am like fried I am like balls. what? Yeah. That's what you do gross. is you take just... scoops of mayo and you freeze it. Well, basically, you freeze a thing of mayo and you scoop it like with like an ice cream scooper, and then you. Put your breading on it, your egg wash, stuff like that, and you deep fry it. It's just like a deep fried bowl of mayo. Yeah. Why? Because Americans are disgusting and eat like they have free health care. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there's plenty of food like the way that comes out of a deep fryer. That you would put mayo on, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this kind of makes sense, but not what, not whatever the fuck you're doing there. <laughs> the best thing to do with mayo, and I, I stand by this, is uh, so mayo. Throw it a, away. It's shush. Mayo is a is a great thing <laughs> um, on burgers and stuff like that. Also, side note: if you make a grilled cheese, which for what it's called a toast toasty over there, is that is that something else? Yeah, I think it's about yeah, it's comparable. Okay, toasty. Well, sure. instead of using butter to like put on your bread to you know toast it mayo works great too um oh yeah that's the difference if you make a toasty over here we we definitely have a difference between a a pan toasty that you do make that mm-hmm. way and just what we call a toasty which we just make on a like a sort of like grill but it's not really a grill how to call it? it's literally just like the george like foreman grill two two hot plates you just smash it in yeah, between yeah. and you don't need to add anything to it 
Yeah. You don't need to put any butter or whatever on it. But butter makes it better. Yes, but also less healthy. Well, yeah, that's the whole well, point. Well, more unhealthy, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's literally the whole point of it. Fat brings out other flavors. That's why butter is such a great thing to just use in stuff. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, so mayo. Uh, Honor Burger is fine. I'm, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. But I also like... Do you know what I like on burgers, Alex? I, I, told, I told you about the Jiffy Burger, right? No, what? The Jiffy Burger? Jiff is the brand of peanut butter. Oh, yeah. It's a burger with bacon and peanut butter on it. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, no. It's so you had me in, good. You had me in the first half, but then you put peanut butter on it. It's really good. But anyway, uh, if you get speaking a- Speaking of eating like you've got free health care... <laughs> If you take a um, just a burger or any breakfast sandwich, honestly, and you have a fried egg on it, got to put mayo on it because mayo is just, you know, oil, vinegar, and egg. So it brings out the flavor of the egg that you're eating. And I think you would actually have, be fine with that, and you'd probably enjoy it quite a bit to have a little bit of mayo on your breakfast sandwich with egg, unless you don't like egg. I've never asked you. Do you not like egg? I like egg. I love egg. Okay, then you'd love this. You'd get get a nice, like a nice, good breakfast sandwich. What what is your go to mm-hmm. bread for a breakfast sandwich? Do you like bagel? Do you like uh, the English muffin that you discovered? What I was talking about when we talked about it off cast earlier today. Ooh, um, um, toast. Some sourdough, sourdough toast. A, well, sa- sourdough is very nice. I also like if we also have, I'd have something like a like toasted baguette. Are you like if I make like a yeah fancy roll? There's generally like if I have that type of breakfast. We'll have something like the night before, and it had like French stick with it, and then there's something left in the morning, which will go like it's not very nice. But then if you put it in the toaster, mm-hmm. it's still fantastic. And then I put that in the toaster. Then I would make like a nice fancy sandwich with it. Got to put a little mayo on that because it brings out the flavor of your egg, because it's literally egg oil and vinegar with your egg. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, uh, okay, I'll try it at a time. Like a thin, like, scrape of yeah. mayo just yeah. to see if it brings out the egg more. Yeah, I'll uh, mm-hmm. I'll report. I don't eat bre- egg that often with my breakfast, but next time I do, I'll report back to you. I mean, you can just make it whenever. I, I'm i not I'm not one of those people that's like, you have to have breakfast food at the that appropriate thing. Oh, fuck you. I will have breakfast whenever the oh, no, fuck that, I yeah. want. I just, because I'd, it's the if, most if, amazing food type in the world. Country fried like, steak. I, I'm home oh. alone for a while now. Maybe one day I'll wake up and I feel like having dinner for breakfast. Like I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, dude. I and, I, so... and I'll have breakfast for dinner. It's Ooh. it's fine. Oh my god! Oh, you, some crusted Parmesan chicken with garlic butter. Oh my god! Give it to me. and then fucking sun dried <laughs> aioli on top and a little bit of fucking. Vinegar. Brad, now you're giving me vibes of that South Park episode. Uh, <laughs> the, what the creme fraiche? Cream fraiche. The uh, cream fringe. The fuck I ever say. I don't fucking care. But yeah, <laughs> it's so good. You got to try it. But yeah, uh, pineapple does go on pizza. It's a great flavor profile. Throw jalapeno on it, and uh, you will be very pleased. Uh, not if you're Alex, though. Look, if if look, Alex again is starting off from a bias. If you already don't yeah. like pineapple. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly, right? So it's hard for me. It's also the fruit thing, but like I start off with like, would you put pineapple on a pizza? It's like, would I put something that I don't like on something I like? No. 
that's, no. Let's say, well, again, we had the peanut butter and jelly. It's like, would you put peanut butter in? No. No, because I wouldn't put peanut butter with it. <laughs> it's like if you would just, it'd be even funnier if you were like, if you were allergic to peanut butter and you're like, no, it would kill me. I can't. I, I literally can't. I would die. <laughs> the way i'm gonna go out would i would i die for a breakfast i don't enjoy no <laughs> dude if i was on death row and i was ordered to peanut butter my my final request for like my last meal would be a peanut butter sandwich and just be like fuck you I've, I've seen a comic about it it was like i'm dying on my own terms bitch <laughs> oh i love that <laughs> pass this out i'll have to google it <laughs> yeah but peanut butter is so fucking good the fact that you don't like peanut butter is just okay what kind of peanut butter have you had because i have a friend that lives in Peru, and she's only had peanut butter once in her life, and she had like Publix brand, all natural peanut butter, which had like no added sugar. It was kind of like actually no, 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 no. no. We, yeah, I this was even like I, I've had like like the sort of like just normal peanut butter. I've had that like super like natural peanutty peanut With butter, like the because... thick thing of oil on top. They have to fucking stir in. <laughs> yeah, and like the chunks of yeah. peanut like still in and stuff. It's like I had that. Didn't like that either. Then there was like almost like an extra sweet one with like M and M's in it, which was basically like the extra unhealthy version of peanut butter, but it should be tasty. I didn't even like that, so mm. it's like I I think no, it's just not a match, mm. not a match. That's truly unfortunate. You know, I I feel bad for your uh, your genes. And, I, something, and something the thing happened. is, the thing is. I look at, if I see, like, a jar of peanut butter, I can say, like, that actually looks tasty. But then I eat it. It's like, no. But I can see the appeal. Like, visually, even. I look at it, like, yeah, yeah. I, you ever, it looks appealing. It looks like something I put in my breakfast, but then I try it. It's like, nope. You ever keep snacks hidden in your room? Just be like, if you, like, just, like, you don't want to go to the kitchen, and you're like, you just want to have a go-to snack to, like, just grab? No, I, I can't, because the problem is once I have a hidden snack in a room, it will not be hidden and it will not be there anymore in a day. True. I have no self-control when it comes to those things. Okay, well, my hidden snack, I've done this twice. I used to get a monthly shipment of Sour Patch Kid Extremes from Amazon Food or whatever, and it would be a box, and it would be like 12 of them. 12 big okay, bags. Okay, can, can we start off? Is this... You would order roughly every month, or at one point you were just like, "Just ship me one every month. Don't worry about." It. You, you can you can choose to have it be a recurring thing every month. <laughs> you had like a subscription to this yeah. food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you just do it on Amazon. It was Sour Patch Extreme, which is my fa- my favorite candy. It's better than regular Sour Patch. So fucking good. And I, that was my go-to little snack, which was super unhealthy. The fact that I'm not diabetic with the way that I ate <laughs> from ages 18 to 23 insane the fact that i'm not obese in any way and the fact that i still have relatively fit physique is insanity to me but the other one is a jar of peanut butter and a spoon i, I would get a oh. king size jar of peanut butter that's like bigger than my head and i just be like yep that's time for this i just take a spoonful of peanut butter eat it no spoonful of peanut butter eat it close it put it back that's my snack oh my god so fucking good God, I love peanut butter. I'm just glad you didn't do that with a jar of mayo. That's right? peanut butter. I can under I can understand. Like, peanut butter. I it's like, really, it's fine. I really like mayo. It has like a nice tang to it. I, I like the bite to it, but I love anything that has vinegar in it. I, God, I just love all the words you use to describe food. 
Like it's I'm true. learning so much. It's like yeah, but it's like things. It has like a tang to it. It's like what the fuck is having a tang to it? It's a it? little it's tang. Like... It's like it's a little, a little tiny bit of that bite of the vinegar on the back end. It's not super abrasive. It's just nice, and it's 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 complementary to a lot of the things you eat. Um, and that that's but again, I love vinegar on shit. Like one of my favorite foods or snacks is any kind of salt and vinegar, or whatever. Like salt and vinegar, almonds, pistachios, chips. Fuck, it's all well, good. Salt, salt and vinegar Pringles are actually like really good. I love salt and vinegar. Actually, if I go to um, B-Dubs, they have a dry rub salt and vinegar uh, that you can put on your wings. And it's just like, yes, salt and vinegar wings, give it to me. That and lemon pepper. Mm. I'm so hungry. I mean, I just ate. I want more food now. Fuck. <laughs> <sighs> Oops. Oh, well. But before let's talk some more magic to get you distracted. Okay, yeah, before this turns into the food, talk about before this turns into the culinary perspective, <laughs> the culinary culminations. Um, <laughs> all right, so Alex, uh, Sean gave us another question from about a week ago. Yes, um, I I will I will do the whole write up. There you go. Right. All right. Whoops! The intern at Watsy, the one they forget to feed all the time, just spilled coffee on Mark Rosewater's favorite lead designer. In a snap decision, Rosewater slams down the fire design gavel and points at you to be their new replacement. You've been tasked with redesigning Siege Rhino to bring it up to an acceptable power level for Pioneer, whilst wiping down their fallen comrade, periodically checking for any smuggled card draw in white that might miss risk making it into a standard set. <laughs> so, so is the joke here that, like, He's essentially giving us a rule. We can make Siege Rhino better, but we can't give it card draw because that's in white. I mean, I, I hope we weren't going to do that. Any, uh, It's in black. We can give it card draw. Ups on charm as <laughs> it's draw. It's in green. It, you can right? give it card draw. <laughs> <laughs> it is not in white. It can draw cards. <laughs> hey, the argument of it's in white, it can't draw a card is null and void I mean, when the other two colors it's in can draw cards. Yeah. Also, I mean, the so fact that... I mean, so, the solemn simulacra could draw you cards yeah, and it's colorless. Yeah, it's just it's like the, the fact that it's you have the option of playing colorless mana as well means you can draw a card. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's make it challenging. Let's let's say no card draw stable on because we could just be like it does I mean, everything it already does. I, it also I assume card. it has to be as close as possible to Siege Rhino anyway. So I have the easiest fix. Okay, it's make it a three draw. Hmm. Like, Straight Abzan? The only thing I think you have to think about is whether or not it should drain for three. Maybe it drains for two. Maybe it doesn't drain at all and it just gains you life, but then why would it be black? So, you know, <laughs> this is just four siege rhino. <laughs> <laughs> this is my contribution. <laughs> this card is terrible, but um, you could cheat it into play, I guess, with something. <laughs> Best reanimation target ever. Oh, transmogrify. <laughs> hey, look, fires is back. Anyway, um, I I think you're going to almost have to make it a three drop because I think it's going to have to go into some collected company deck without making it do insane things, right? If you want to make Siege Rhino good but have it be like a four drop and then even make it a five drop, it has to like start drawing cards or give you tokens or... And then it's just like, are we even playing with Siege Rhino, or are we just playing with an entirely different card? So, I think I I we're going down to three, 
and the thing is like can we just say like your opponent loses one but like you gain three or you like your opponent loses one life and they do the weird wording like on enter the god eternals and it's like your opponent loses one life and you gain life equal to twice the amount of life lost this way rather than wording it like a normal person and just putting gain two life on it like maybe let's do something like that but like a three mana four five trample isn't even that out of the way if its mana cost is that restrictive right anafenza is a 4-4, and she has Graveyard Hate stapled onto her, which I would say is better than, like, a Toughness and Trample. Um, Steel Leaf Champion is way easier to cast because Triple Green in a dedicated deck is easier than Upsell in an Upsell deck, right? You're never casting this on turn two, basically, unless you're going, like, Overgrown Tomb, play a Llanowar Elf, play a White Source, now your Rhino comes down, so it's much harder to play on turn two. Um, so I think making it a three is basically fine. I would probably look at the numbers on the drain. Make it two, make it one, make it different numbers. Like, l your opponent, like, loses one, you gain three. I don't even think that's, like, really an issue, because it doesn't really matter. It could even be, it could even be upsum but not drain your opponent and like why is it black that's like stapling random colors onto cards isn't that weird glimpse the unthinkable give it menace is too trample Tram and menace trample would just menace. be such a weird combination <laughs> you can't jump it no 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 you you it's not you can jump it because it has trample you just cannot jump it because it has menace fuck you i mean that that mechanic was introduced in that set right i think so no I will say, though, Menace to me always sounds like the card is, like, so agile that that's why you need, like, two people because you need to kind of, like, surround them or corner them. I don't really think that applies to a Rhino. Hey, I've seen a Rhino juke a boy out. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> they should put, like, cheetah legs on it. All right, so I have a very easy fix. I like it. I like it a lot because I just thought of it. Okay, ready? So Siege Rhino normally reads, for those of you uninformed, because, I mean, look, if, if, you're, if you're here... And you don't know what Siege Rhino does. Boy, I don't know how you're playing Pioneer. Because everyone in this fucking format first you're came out. <laughs> Everyone's like, Siege Rhino! It's back! It's back! You're, oh, it's not back. If, you don't, if you're playing Pioneer and you do not know what Siege Rhino is, congratulations, you're playing with good cards. Yeah. Uh, Siege Rhino is one, and then Abzan. So four mana for a four or five trampling Rhino. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses three life. You gain three life. I have a very simple fix. Ready, Alex? Yep. Everything's the same. Except it says... When Siege Rhino enters the battlefield, Siege Rhino deals three damage to any target you gain three life. Yeah, I mean, it's dealing damage directly to something. Soren. Should it give like minus three Soren. minus? Oh yeah, Soren does it. Mm -hmm. That's where I got the idea from. I mean, I still don't think that. I mean, maybe, That'd maybe be playable. This would that be? It would just be a better Ravenous Tube. I mean, almost Ravenous Tube probably straight up kills a thing. I mean, that actually straight up kills yeah. things. So like, this is like deal with <laughs> the, a small creature the, that this thing is going to be able to block. Life. E no. <laughs> um. Okay, Alex. I think it'd be okay. I mean, if you replace, I would probably replace the colorless with a black mana. Okay. Um, so it'd be like two black, a green, and a white. I mean, what would happen is, like, this would just be the best card ever against Burn. <laughs> Here's a big 4-5. Uh, 
Oh, by the way, I get to kill a thing, gain three life. Yeah, but I mean, it's a four drop, so it's gonna like skull crack you when you don't gain the life, and then they're gonna untap and just burn you out. So I don't even think that's a real problem. Like, I think that design is actually more to the spirit of Siege Rhino because my version would just be a curve topper in an aggro deck. Um, where your version is more mid-rangey. True. So, yeah, I think it's the original that instead of a drain, it's just deal three to any target. Yeah. So you can still uh, go face, but you have the guarantee life. just life swing. Yeah. Um, which is what Rhino already does. But then you have the option of, like, maybe I need to get this thing out of the way. Or, like, you know, if they're going wide on their board, you kill a little thing, now you have a four or five blocker, right? Yeah, I, th I think you could be daring and have it destroy creatures and make it like mana cost hard, but that's that's pushing it. Mm -hmm. I also don't know if that's design that I want, because I feel like if you have such an efficient creature that destroys creatures, you're actually discouraged from trying to go over it. And I do always kind of like it when metas go to the point where people get greedier and greedier, so their curves actually go up trying to beat the mirror, where I feel like if you would want to be better in this mirror, your curve would probably have to go down. So you're less um, messed up by Siege Rhino. Yeah. So yeah, it dealing three rather than draining three, and uh, dealing three than gaining three. I, th I think that's that's cool. I think that's a better answer than what I had. I think it should be fun. I I, I want to play Siege Rhino. It's also just way close. That is just so close to the spirit of Siege Rhino. It really feels like you're just playing an upgraded Siege Rhino. And not like a different take on Siege Rhino. That's what we want, right? Yeah, we we want the spirit of Siege Rhino. All right. So, Alex, let's go on to the next question. Yeah, the next question is from. It was from uh, Bridger. Um, look at decks that used to be prominent in the metagame, and then see what has changed to make them not see play. Aside from banned cards. So, like, yeah, we're not seeing Reclamation anymore. Who wonder why. Um, so, I tried to look into this a little bit, and Magic releases so much data and so many deck lists that finding, like, historical data on, like, what deck list was played where is really hard. Mm -hmm. So, Brad and I just kind of, like, brainstormed and looked at Goldfish, like, a little bit, and we came up with a couple of decks. Um where we did try and think of decks that were actually relevant. So, like, that were, like, prominent at one point. So a deck, for example, we left out. We're going to discuss, I think, seven decks in total. Might be eight. Um, and we'll try be a little bit briefer, because it actually ended up being a long list. Uh, we're not going to go about talk about Boros Feather, because, sorry, but that deck has never been, like, really good. <laughs> That's Alex. <laughs> I got I got flashbacks like PTSD from our fucking live stream where that one guy just kept asking about Boros Feather for like two hours. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, I forgot his name. It was like Archer or whatever. I can't remember what was his name on the server. Something like that. No, it was Scooter. But... Scooter. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It, something like that. Um, but so Feather. It's like I mean Feather was like briefly kind of okay when Luris had the old companion rule, but, like, what Lurus deck wasn't good with the old companion rule? So, because, yeah. like, Auras was still better then. And I guess that's the deck we're just going to start off with. 
Especially because people might be picking this up with the Challenger deck now. Like, yeah. Brad, where's Auras? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I guess Pioneer's always been this, had this deck kind of float around, whether it's... I don't mean Auras itself. I mean, just mean like a goldfish you type deck. And it's typically been between Auras. You could kind of, kind of really loosely say Feathers in there as well, just because the way the deck plays... But what I'm thinking of, like, it was just think, worse at it. Yeah, I think of, like, gonna kill you out of nowhere. And that's Aura's, um, what was it? Uh, is is it uh, Scissors? And then I guess Soul Flare is the other one. Yeah. Like, these are just ones that's like, hey, oh, yeah, I guess Winota, but Winota you kind of, like, see coming. And then, like, Aura's yeah. just like, I slap eight enchantments on this dude, turn three. And you're like, wow, that was a 2 2, and now it's a 9 8 with lifelink and flying. Fuck. So, <laughs> and next turn, it's a nineteen nineteen with tra- with flying and trample and lifelink. Oh, and if, don't forget, it has first strike, and I have a one one soldier oh. that's a buddy with it. Yeah, <laughs> they're dating. Actually, so you can see. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good luck with your edict effect, nerd. <laughs> He'll <laughs> sacrifice himself immediately. Get fucked. Um, but yeah, uh, I think. Scissors has taken over its spot, especially with the Black Staff of Waterdeep coming out with um, the D and D set. So I think that's kind of why Auras has fallen to the wayside because we, we, we haven't gotten any good enchantments, oh. any good auras. Uh, I mean, we in, never do. Yeah, um, really. Most of the auras, like the real all stars, like all that glitter is actually pretty good. That was the last good uh, one, but and that was Eldrain. The, <laughs> the best ones probably. Well. um... Sentinel Eyes is actually from Thurs. Oh, that's right. That's pretty good. Yeah, Ground Death. Um, right. But anyway, they're very hesitant with printing cheap auras because Bogle's decks tend to be super uninteractive and generally unenjoyable to play against. Mm-hmm. So they're hesitant. It's kind of the same reason why we basically never get a counter spell that's better than a cancel with upside because two mana counter magic can be extremely frustrating to play against. Take a look so, at memory lapse being suspended in Historic. Exactly. So because we suspend things, so we don't have to give you anything. Anyway, um, and I also think the problem with um, with auras is that pioneer is very like mana dork or like turn one like important creature heavy. That also means we're very removal heavy, like mm. cheap removal heavy. And auras can just like straight up lose a game if they have to keep like a somewhat loose hand. It's like, oh, I'm already down to five, but, you know, I've got two lands, one creature, and the second turn I can go, like, cartouche and protect it with Karametra's Blessing or something. Mm-hmm. And they play the turn one creature, you're like, right, untap, fatal push. Yeah. And they just, they can't do anything. They they sit there for, like, 15 turns trying to draw a creature. At this point, you have already put them on a the clock, and you've drawn two removal spells, so once they actually play their creature, you're like, right, try and kill it. Caramatra's Blessing. Right, throw another spell at it. Okay, cool. We're, you're back to square one again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so super glass cannon I think cannon-y. that's the main reason. Yeah, it's super glass cannon And it is like the goldfishiest, fastest deck um, that you can have in this format, aside from like Nut Draw, Burning Tree Emissary, like Atarka Red or something. Mm-hmm literally like play set of burning tree emissary type of draw uh this is probably the fastest deck but it it just crashes straight into a wall if like they 
encounter a minor inconvenience. And and, I'll, and that's I'll throw in one more reason. Because Alex, you and I have both have this deck in paper, right? Yep. What's our biggest complaint about it. this deck? It's boring. It's a boring deck. It's fucking boring. <laughs> hey, like it's hey, a, Alex, it's a play, good intro play the deck. Mirror? It's oh my god. <laughs> it's a good it's a good intro deck, which is yeah. why I think it's a good challenger deck. Of course. I think if you're if you're like buying a challenger deck, I mean obviously sometimes there some deck is like someone's favorite deck, right? So I'm sure there's gonna be people that actually really enjoy playing auras. Like they're the same people that will probably enjoy well, I'd say the same people that enjoy bogles in modern, but um Okay, Sean. I know you listen to this very frequently, and I love you. But Bogles is a brain dead deck. He admitted <laughs> like, that though. He's, he's said so, that funny. Yeah, things. but just just get it out there. Bogles is a brain dead deck, and you like auras. You actually have to think because it's not like oh, you don't have an answer to my hexproof creature. Well, enjoy being dead in two well, turns. Yeah, and we right? we know that Sean's not a brain dead player because like he actually plays Niv in Pioneer. So like yeah. he has to actually like be like fuck I need like the fact that any deck that tells you to give more than two second thought of what land you play is already a deck <laughs> like, that I don't want to play. Which one of my three triomes am I gonna play on turn one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me think five turns ahead. <laughs> it's like oh no. Oh no, oh no. I play the one that gives me the most colors. But yeah, uh, that's probably the biggest reason for auras. And uh, again, yeah, boring deck. Unlike our next deck on the list that we have. Dredge with Dredge. It's not a boring deck at all. It's very linear. Don't get me wrong. But oh my god, that deck is so much fun. Alex, you haven't lived until you've gone turn one Citrus Supplier and you've gone Amalgam, Amalgam, Narcomoeba. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I've never done that. It's I'll so give you that. good. It's uh, so the good. Only th- the only Dredgeless Dredge experience for me is on Arena. I played that, um, is it Canister? Who one time showed up at like the LPL weekly mm-hmm. with that dredge dredge deck, which was just hard mulling into drought secrets, Ugh. and then you're, you're all, just you, plays you, like a bunch of blue cantrips. You lost me at playing drought secrets. Ew. That, it's actually pretty fun. Uh. Not gonna lie, because I use it in best of one to do quests. Because you just abuse the hell out of the arena shuffler. Mm. It's like, oh wow, drowned secrets again. <laughs> what a coinkydink. Right? And that's just really also but Dredge's Dredge and Dredge in general gets access to one of the most broken cards in Magic's history. Creeping chill. Free lightning helix. Yeah. It, I use that. It's a start- siege rhino without the rhino. <laughs> I just I remember when I remember people would complain. I'd play against people. mill over siege. I think I think one person that uh, if I'm wrong, I'm apologizing preemptively. Um, Juke, uh, but I think Juke uh, or Blair we used to always complain that that card should never be printed, it shouldn't exist, and she fucking hated that. And I, I mean, always, it is a stupid card. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. yeah. But I'm just kind of like sitting there going because <laughs> I'm playing with it, and I'm like. I don't know. I kind of like it. It's fun to mill over. <laughs> it <laughs> makes me happy. Because <laughs> like I'm going against burn, and I'm like fuck, and then I hit three creeping chills, and I'm like, yay! Oh my god, the burn matchup in modern went from like, oh, dredge is free, 
And then they printed Creeping Chill, and the Dredge players was like, oh, burn, I've got to buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the, how that matchup turned when that got, when that card got printed was ridiculous, but... But why is it not seeing Yeah, point? so... Uh, well, we just talked about, like, we feel like the graveyard is kind of free, and it also means that people pack a lot of graveyard hate, mm-hmm. and this is, like, number one collateral damage, right? If your opponent has a rested piece in play... This deck just straight sucks. It's so like, bad. It doesn't do it doesn't do anything, right? Do you want a one mana one one or a two mana one one? Oh, or or, or a two mana one one with flying? Right? Hey, <laughs> like, do you want a seven mana five five that you can't delve anything with? Or how how about a three mana three three that enters the battlefield tap? Where's a six mana? Like, Is it five and a one? Wait, do Prize amalgam. Not prize, I'm sorry. Uh, Gurmag Gangler. Gurmi. Yeah. That's a seven. I think. Is it six? I think it's seven. I think Tassigur. I think Tassigur is six and Gurmag is seven. Uh, Gurmag Angler. Because, like. Either way. Yeah, that's six. Seven mana. Seven mana, five, five. Big old boy. Uh, And, yeah. And the other thing about Dredge's Dredge that always made me lose my mind is hey, Alex, what do we do typically when we. We finished game one, right? We're playing a, a match, right? What do we typically do between game one and game two and game two and game three? What was the thing that we do in that time? We bring in graveyard hate? Or you just sideboard in general, right? Problem that Dredge's yeah. Dredge always has. It's like, well, this deck really loves to mill itself. That's the whole fucking point. Do you know I mean? Do you know hey, I- there goes my sideboard card. Exactly. And then I draw <laughs> the prize amalgam. Typical. With With, like, not any option of like discard except for hunt uh haunted dead haunted dead but then even cards like creeping like for example creeping chill doesn't do anything if you draw it oh no it I, can't even well it doesn't do anything if you discard i don't it. so like yeah. that's not even like value yeah but I've, I've been i'm not gonna lie do you know how many games i've won where i've hard cast creeping chill and my opponent's just like wow a lot I, uh, yeah <laughs> i guess you have it i'm like <laughs> oh it's it's so great when i i have I have Driven Despair in the yard, which that needs to see more in play in Pioneer. Fuck you for not playing it. Um, Driven Despair in the yard, and I go Despair, and then all my boys have Menace. They come in, and then I make them do all their blocks and shit. And then, or they, they think they're fine because they're doing the math, and like, I'll go down to three. It's not a big deal. And then I'm like, hard cast creeping chill. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, also, another reason why this deck isn't played anymore, and I'm sure someone has already like shouted it at whatever device they're currently behind shadow's verdict exists that's so bad oh, that, it's like it, hurt. it hits everything your opponent yeah it, it, everything but gurmag angler oh, no, it's just did, like all right it's a four man four drop oh yeah yay cool <laughs> nothing to discard to it really and nothing to extra value to but gain, it, so enjoy your, it makes <laughs> enjoy your spirit no you lose the spirit but, you still like, lose the spirit but it's just oh this was kind of like Play against a deck with Shadow's Verdict. It's like, okay, cool things you've been doing. Verdict. Yeah. None of it mattered, though. So, Verdict, like, completely ruins this deck. Judge's Dredge and... needs a phasing protection spell for, for one mana. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Basically. Your graveyard phases out. Dude! Oh, um, why have we not printed that yet? <laughs> that sounds and we so call cool. It like, and, we, and we call it, like, Grey Fog. That'd be so... And it's yeah. like... Wizards, your graveyard Wizards, phases out. What the out. fuck? This is such a cool design space. 
Even just target card in graveyard phases out. No, I, that, that target be... graveyard phases out. So your opponent goes to like Hulk and it's like, but you don't have a yard Ooh! this turn. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is great. <laughs> Phoenix triggers go on the stack. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what we need. Okay. Crimson Foul. I'm, I'm, I'm predicting we get phasing back and we also get Absolute. graveyard okay. phasing. We've... We've got phasing, but I have no idea if they would just have to, like, flip the rules book upside down to make it so we can phase out an entire graveyard. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> Why stop there? Opponent's hand phases out. <laughs> no, just, hey, I'm going to do a <laughs> stopping up. <laughs> opponent's phases out. <laughs> just, it's the Colgan command thing where it's just like, hey, yeah, I'm going to pass turn, but I'm going to have a stop when you're upkeep. You're like, okay, what the <laughs> fuck is he doing? Uh, you phase out, sir. <laughs> Sir, I would like you to phase out for a turn. Uh, okay. What does this mean? Um, I, I can't attack you for a turn. <laughs> the, the absolute worst card to put on an Isochron Scepter. <laughs> you just don't exist anymore. <laughs> what happens? Because I can't, I can't attack you because there's no target to attack. You're not, you're not in the plane of existence. Do that we, would be hilarious on Arena. It just like switches off half your screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, no, there's just the transparent <laughs> life total. Oh, yeah, which will then remain. Yeah, I love that. For those of you who didn't hear, there is a glitch where there's a for phasing. For is that for still a thing? I, I, don't, I don't pay I think, attention I think to arena. It. But the it would phase something, and then when the phasing ended in the game, it would the the visual stayed, so it just everything looked like it was phased. It was from the spectral sailor, not spectral. Yeah, sailor. spectral adversary. Adversary <laughs> sailor. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyway, dredge this dredge. It has, like, everything going against it. It gets caught in collateral damage, uh, which is a recurring theme uh, with why decks randomly disappear, especially if they're not the top deck. They will often just, like, get killed by collateral damage. That's going to go for the top deck. Um, mm -hmm. Shadow's Verdict, Graveyard Hate, just there is so much going against this deck, and the payoff is just not there, when I can also just do something that's more consistent. It's a Aww. super wild deck. Like, yeah, turn one Stitcher Supplier into amal double amalgam Narcomoeba is like the nuts. But mm. how often does that actually happen? Um, and how often are you going to mill the lands you were supposed in, to be drawing? In, in totality, and now you're playing this deck in paper in the probably 100 matches I played at the start of Pioneer, uh, it happened four Once. total times. Oh. All on turn one. Look at that, 1 in 25, so that's a 2% of the games you instantly win. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've lost one of those, so let's not get carried away. <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> Why, did your opponent do the same thing? Like, how did you lose that match? Uh, I don't remember. I just remember it getting really grindy at some point, and they just kept having... I, I think they I think they went through a playset of Supreme Was it like... It was against Blue Eyes. Oh, I was just thinking like... Oh, okay. I was thinking like maybe like turn 3 anger and they were on the play, but... That actually beats the... Okay. No, it actually just sucks. If you're on the draw, that draw... Even if you're on the play, that draw doesn't even beat Anger of the Gods. Yeah. that That's actually just really sad. Heroic intervention. We Oops, milled that over with Fuck. your second supplier. <laughs> Why doesn't this have flashback? <laughs> there is a very good reason this card doesn't have flashback. Give it flashback. <laughs> Doesn't it say permanent shoot control get a destructible? That's Summonland destruction spell. 
We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> what about the... Um, oh, I do like the... Uh, it, this would not help at all in this case, but there, it, there's the um, Lazita plating. I love that car. It's like you and permanent control get hexproof and then you amass one. That's a car that should see more play. Why? It's terrible. You're terrible. It's a fun car. Actually, I mean, okay. It is actually good. It, it works against salt distortion, but why not just Narset's reversal it? <laughs> no, you. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> I still need to find my Narset reversal. God, I've been salt distortion so many times recently. It's it's ridiculous. But weird thing is, I've actually won like half of those matches. So, like, one time someone thought distortion me, and it's like, what's your hand? Well, it's two lands, a Gearhawk, a Notion Thief, and one Dick Through Time. Good job. Hmm. But it was against Lotus. It's like, and now I'll just play this Notion Thief. Get fucked. Bye-bye. It was a good, it was a good day. Um, but I just won two matches off the back of Notion Thief. It's favorite card. Anyhow, so, that's right. Next deck we're moving on to green white company um a deck that basically was ported over from historic mm -hmm. we saw uh, epic played in one of our invitationals that was broadcast uh, on our twitch over at um you already did the plug playing away look at that so this deck came over from historic and it was basically just like hate bears with collected company mm -hmm. very importantly lacking thalia um, yeah. which Thalia is in Historic, right? Yes, it is. Two mana Thalia is in Historic. Yeah. yeah. So, lacking Thalia, come, come on, Crimson in, Val. In, instead, getting um, Voice of Resurgence, which is way worse, but still a good card. And kind of just like didn't last very long. It was here for like a couple of weeks. I'd give I'll it a, say that give I, it a month. I'd say that I already made the call that I just thought the deck was pretty bad. And then it just went off the face of the earth and never came back again. I just think it didn't and have good matchups with us, like a lot of the other top decks. Like it was good against Niv and like decks. It was that, like, just a weak deck. Yeah. It, it had some hate bears, but a lot of the cards are just individually bad cards. Like And it had two two fucking interactive cards in the deck. Yeah. It had two interactive cards. It just was like mana dorks, Coco, and then like some shit. And things like, oh yeah, I've got Elite Spellbinder. And it's like, okay, so the taxing effect is nice, but it is a 3 1. Mm -hmm. Right? So it, it dies to like a hot fart. And its clock is okay. And it's, it, I've never played against a deck where I have not been afraid of collected come. Well, so, whenever I play against a Coco deck, I'm always like, oh no, what if they have the Coco? But against this deck, it's like, what if they have the Coco? Well, what if? Gotta put four power into play? Like, I, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, this this deck was, it was very weak. She said it didn't match up very well against all the things. And there were just more powerful things that you could be doing. Um, And the hate bear aspect didn't really matter that much. Needs better hate bears. Uh, I'm okay with this deck not existing. It's, it's not will. a. Eventually will. Yeah, eventually it will. I I don't hate <clears throat> Texas as a deck, but I am happy when Texas isn't a top performing deck. 
This might be because two of my friends who play Modern both are very big Death and Texas players. I've played against that deck a lot. It's very annoying. Yeah. I mean, not being able to play Magic and, like, you know, the, the whole point of playing the game. And I mean, I can't, I can't complain about that. Because I do exactly that. It's just the difference is I allow you to put it in your graveyard. Mm. And the Texas player is like, no, that shit's staying in your hand. Like, you're not even putting it on the stack. <laughs> you can't. You don't have lands. All your spells cost five more. And I'm killing you with a Flicker Wisp. God, Flicker Wisp beat down. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Beats the giver of runes beat down. Speaking of beatdowns, next deck we have on our list is Monogreen Devotion. Um, it It's kind of... I mean, the, both versions are gone for the most part. We we have the one that sticks around the most with the Vorinclex and stuff and the Ranger class. Mm. Um, but, like, the Karn version straight up nowhere to be found. It's just gone, gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is a pretty easy answer. Hmm. And it's just that it doesn't gain anything. It So it gained Vorinclex, which I will Almost consider, especially given the time, I didn't think Vorinclex was that big an upgrade. It's an upgrade. The deck's better. But it's not like, wow, this deck just went through the roof now that it has Vorinclex. Mm -hmm. Because it opens up the sideboard in mono green. So it doesn't open you up to getting that much. Right? It's better than no sideboard. But it's almost no sideboard. Um... I think the most impactful cards are probably the colorless cards and shifting ceratops. Um, so, Mono Green Devotion has this really strong core package that I don't think will ever get better. Right? Mana Dorks, Burning Tree Emissary, Oath of Nissa for some smoothing, and Nykthos. Right? That core is so good. We're never going to get a better Lanowar Elf. We're never going to get a better Nykthos. And we're never going to get a card like Burning Tree. So that core is effectively set in stone. Mm -hmm. So all you can get to make this deck better Finishers. is big green dumb idiots at the top. And we have really good ones. right? We had Karn, which mm. is a respectable card. Nisso Shakes the World is a good card. Vivian Arcbow Ranger is a good card. Gargroth is a good card. And Vorinclex is a good card. And we're actually approaching the end of the era of all green cards are busted. Yeah. Like that's basically confirmed by Rosewater. It was like, yeah, this like this time of like I think Gargaroth was basically the last one. Honestly, yeah. And even then we, where they we, were like we I mean Vorinclex, but like Vorinclex is legendary, etc. It was like special for the set, but like this sort of like generic green dumb idiot without a name that is just a really good card. Um, I think they literally announced, like, yes, yeah, the last one, boys, pack it up. And we've seen that in, like, Zendikar Rising, where it was just, like, worse Carnage Tyrant, but if you pay a million mana, it gets haste. We saw the Tarask in AFR, which is just a bad card. And that way, so, the core is super good and probably can never get better because they don't print zero mana Llanowar Elves. The top is very good and has little room for improvement. Basically, the only way this deck can get better is if they make a mistake. 
and print like another six mana green card that is just way out of line. So the only thing that can really improve is like this awkward middle where you have like Jade Light Ranger, Llanowar Visionary. But again, if we get a good three drop for that deck that's like better than any of these, it's not gonna be by a mile. So this deck just doesn't really change. And it doesn't really get new cards. It's almost like Monogreen Devotion has like reached its peak in Pioneer. And it's not going to get any... It, it's only going to get worse from here, basically. Meanwhile, everyone else gets go blanks and ridiculously good removal spells. Like, Vanishing Verse was, you know, an absolute catastrophe for this deck to play against. And Fatal Push being prevalent, Phoenix packs like seven ways to kill a Llanowar Elf on turn one, so you could just never get off the ground. And if they flip a thing in the ice against Mono Green, that's... Oh, you're toast. Yeah, you can't recover from that, because it's like, I'm going to like, slowly rebuild with my Mana Dorks, let's go. Especially because you're actually a low land count deck. Because yeah. you've got Nykthos making a million mana, so if you yeah, no bounce their boards... Yeah, so if you bounce their board, and they have like four lands in play, it's going to take them a bit to recover. They don't have that time. So you go thing in the eyes, bounce your board, thing swings, kills your planeswalker, game's over. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little upsetting. It would take a lot of bans for this deck to come back. Like, we would have to ban like Phoenix and like some other cards. And it's like, hey, look, there's like this like rock that's just been there and like once the water like drops low enough then the rock surfaces again it's like hey cool it's there again mm -hmm. but realistically the water only goes up and up and up and up the older the format gets so the the more this the deeper this rock is going to be underwater just there unmoving and the flip side then there's the deck that we thought would never ever ever die and would be the rock that always stayed above the surface, even when it got dipped below again. It just kept coming back, much like the deck itself. Hash and the play in the deck is mono black aggro. Hashtag unbanned copter. Um, yeah. This is the best smuggler's copter deck. So, um, ooh, bring back night market lookout. I love that. That was so great. Oh, just, just crew ping you. <laughs> oh, crewing smuggler's copter with night market lookout is just peak magic. Uh -huh. Um. Anyway, Mono Black Aggro, it's... I mean, I never count this deck out, really. Yeah. But, because I think it's solid. And I think this is something that's very skewed when we look at this data. Because most of the data we're getting still, some paper tournaments are returning, etc., but is leagues, which, screw that, bad data point, and challenges. Which means... And to... To challenges, people bring the best performing decks, and the general consensus among grinders and pro players at that show is that mono black aggro is a bad deck. So if they're not bringing the deck, no one's seeing the deck, therefore people think it's dead, therefore people stop playing it. But I know if you go locally, I know locally, I, I'm going to my first FNM again for a long time. I went to one like a month ago or something, but like this is like the store that I generally play Pioneer at. I'm going back again tomorrow for my first FNM there. And I know that local meta has like three mono black players. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't go in there thinking, oh, it's going to be easy. Deck sucks. No, it's a perfectly fine deck. Yeah. But it's not the deck that an MTGO grinder is going to pick up. Because a new grinder looks at the meta page. It's like, it's not there. And the old guard thinks there's better things to be doing. And by better things, we are talking, if the win percentage is 1.5% higher, why would I play that other deck? Mm Mm-hmm. So it just gets buried. I don't actually think Model Black's bad in any way. It's also a deck that gets really suitable upgrades pretty easily. We always get good black cards. Yeah. Like always. Well, say deck gets trounced by Niv. Yeah. Which is probably the main reason it's not super. I don't think it's Phoenix matchup is good. I think it's pretty poor matchup. It gets absolutely trounced by Niv. And it's also pretty bagged against Vampires, which is like the other black deck of choice. Mm -hmm. So it matches up pretty unfortunately against some of the meta at the moment. And that also obviously doesn't help. It's like if we'd get a meta with more like blue-white control, like one of that deck becomes like super prominent and it's sort of like more fair grindy mid-rangey lots of removal style decks show up mono black's king again and that's what we had for a while which is why the deck was good now we are much more akin to like we're gonna top decks we're much more akin to like what modern was a while ago where it's like we're being less interactive and we're more like doing our own powerful thing which i will say i like less i think um uh I, I still love the format, but a for a format where mono black aggro is a good deck is a format I think is more fun. I have more a better time playing. Yeah. But you can still pick it up and probably do well. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, we're naming all these decks because the question was, they're not as prevalent as they used to be. Why is that? And these are just decks that come to mind. If you want, you could pick up and play any of the decks we're naming and probably do fairly well at it. A local FNM, on the MTGO. Yeah. Sure. Especially just like, if you're a good pilot, you can play any of these decks do well. Mm -hmm. Even against the top decks, right? But you need a plan. I'm going to blow your mind. You ready? Sure. I have another good segue. That is. Speaking of being a good pilot, next deck fires enigmatic version. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so enigmatic fires, for those of you who don't know, uh, we had a deep dive on this a while back with Epics. You can go out and listen to that. And it's based around the card Fires of Invention, an enigmatic incarnation, and it's basically like this birthing pod toolboxy deck but it's based on enchantments instead and like some big dumb creatures at the top like a Tolsamir and a Scarab God and it's like this value deck it's all one-offs basically um and now this deck hasn't been a top player very often so it's kind of on the edge but we can toss it in with fires of invention like the Jeskai version and stuff that actually used to be a prevalent deck for a long time. So yeah. that's kind of why both are here. Yeah, post Kaldheim, the Transmogrify version up until... Yeah, well, like a Seekasteriot, like yeah. the four-color one. It was insane. That one was... It did very well for a while. Yeah. Playing the Raven's Calling. And it's like, I'm going to go grab this. I didn't like that, though. 
Yeah, I didn't I, like I know that you at didn't. all. <clears throat> Wish guards are super overrated. Especially because it puts but, it on top. But, I mean, you could get it on top and then go transmogrify into the thing I just put on top. So that's cute. Pretty smart. Um, I think Enigmag just doesn't seem like it's so hard to play. It's so weird. And it's such a that's part of it. weird deck that, like, needs... You not only need to be... Um, oh, okay, so... Well, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Yeah. I mean, we'll think about it this way. Uh, you play League, but I used to play Smite, right? Yeah. We're not so different, you and I, okay? We both we both <laughs> play games that are really shitty when you get down to it. <laughs> hey, we both play Magic. Look at that. Hey, we're here. Hey. <laughs> There's a character and a god in Smite where her ultimate was... It, t- it brought up a wheel, and... The wheel was every other player in your game. And it was their character. And you picked any of them, and you became a max level, max statted version of that character with full abilities. Like, your ult's ready, everything. Really cool character. Really that fun to play. sounds insanely powerful. Hard as fuck to play when you're in a game with 100 plus or, or almost like 200 gods. You have to be knowledgeable of oh, all of them. Yeah. Uh, for the people who play League, uh, Viego, when he kills someone, you turn into a copy of them. Except you retain your ultimate and you keep all the basic abilities. You get those off the new champion. But kind of the same idea. Yeah. Um, Where you need to be able to play everything. Super cool, cool god. But like, that's the same thing with fires. <laughs> Fuck Viego. Just for league players. <laughs> Fuck Fiego. Everything about that champion is fucking horrid. <laughs> but Fires is the same thing. In order to be good at this deck, you need to be able to be good at understanding all the decks in Pioneer. And not everyone's great at that. Because, Alex, you might be able to understand how um, Rakdos Pyromancer works, for example, as an opponent. Because you play control and you know how to attack it in that regard. But you don't have that special perspective of... Um, being the actual pilot of Rakdos Pyromancer and having the inside of it going, what would I do if I was the player in this situation and applying that to your own insight to what you're going to be doing as the opponent now, um, which that's why I have and I own as many Pioneer decks as I possibly can because I like being able to have that extra insight. Uh, please do not do this if you can't financially afford it, though. Um, it's fucking expensive to own all these decks. <laughs> <laughs> proxy them proxy all of them print out all of the decks and then be good at piloting them all rent them on mtgo practice or yeah go playing... on mtgo subscription yeah play all of them yeah practice playing these decks get some type of piloting underneath your belt and then you can go tackle enigmatic fires that's really the way i would put it but also if you're not gonna play enigmatic fires do everything i just said anyway pilot other decks even if you don't like their play style it helps you become a better opponent against them like seriously, so important. But um, but yeah, I but the, think that's really mostly it. Yeah, the other, so animatic fires. It's it's very hard to play. It's very finicky. There's a lot of like you can make a lot of mistakes in your deck building construction because you need to make a good medical because there's so many silver bullets. But if you bring like you know the wrong bullets, then the deck feels really bad. Um, to touch a little bit on the old school fires. 
Now, first of all, that just got like a huge hit when the fairy got banned. Um, made the deck significantly worse. Also, its primary game plan for a while became to like transmogrify into agent of treachery and steal your opponent's shit. That just doesn't matter at all. What are you gonna do? Steal like a land of the burn player, right? You're gonna steal a land of the phoenix player, or oh, you're gonna steal their phoenix. Well, they're just gonna kill it and then get it back. Um, Pyromancer. Well, have this elemental token, I guess. Or actually, whatever you're targeting, I'm village rightsing it. Yeah. And it just lines up so poorly with what everyone's doing that the Agent of Treachery plan is horrible. And just polymorphing into a big dude doesn't really work either. Like, Dream Trawler, I don't really care. Coma, this card's not as hard to deal with as you think it is. So... The Transmogrify plan doesn't line up with anything anyone's doing. Enigmatic Fires is too hard to play. Um, but again, if you are interested, watch your episode with Epic. It gets pretty technical because the deck is. Mm -hmm. Never seen someone tank on a turn one land drop as much. <laughs> <laughs> as, as Epic, like 5D chessing like seven turns ahead. And then he just misses his land drop on our Aether Gus's Wolf Willow Haven. It's like, sorry. Well, I'm going to see if I can maintain the streak of great segues in the next decks because this is somehow lining up. A deck you don't have to worry about as much when it comes to getting your turn one land because it's mostly going to be mono fucking white. It's the book deck. This deck is just bad. <laughs> it's. So this deck is I, the only thing I can say. This was this was relevant for two weeks because apparently people forgot that artifact removal is a thing and forgot that you can kill creatures if your opponent spends seven of their mana to do something at sorcery speed. This deck is just ass. Like, you know, who would win an entire strategy or one copy of Field of Ruin? Like, this deck is just really bad at what it does. It it catches people by surprise. Which is what makes it kind of relevant. But it's a life gain deck. It's like that deck that people play on Arena because they got the like starter life gain deck for free. It's now I'm I'm giving it a little too much shit because I did play against it and like the Angels Collected Company plan was actually pretty decent. But my god the book part is so ridiculous ridiculously easy to deal with it is just play fatal push whoop i mean yeah and like i the legendary version of the deck i thought it was really cool where it's like you know have fun get all your cool legend boys play dahlia's lancers that's really sweet but yeah i don't think the deck's very good not very good yeah, that's just the main thing. Why did this deck fall off? Because it's bad. It's a gimmick. And people fell for the gimmick and they no longer do. That's it. Well, and I think the last amazing. one to touch on. Lotus. I had no good segue Which... for that one. I could have said, it's, this one's not a gimmick. Eh? Uh, oh, this fuck. one's also based on a land, but you can't Field of Ruin this one because it's hexproof. Hey, and it hooray. doesn't turn into a creature. Thank you. Um, so you just sent me a tweet that apparently Galvanic Iteration is broken in Lotus Field 
from our friends over at MTG Pioneer. I was okay. I'm gonna be honest. I'm just happy I don't see this deck. <laughs> I have expressed it in the past. Play what you want, but fuck Lotus Field. I hate this deck. Hey, it's, it's boring. You want you want to play it's, test right it's now? It's solitaire. Oh yeah, you just go ahead and play with your dick for 15 minutes and try and combo off while untapping one land with Lotus String. Uh, hidden strings. Lotus string. <laughs> <laughs> Lotus strings. Like, it's... God, this deck is awful. But um, but why is it actually awful in the meta, Brad? Well, you have decks that are just a little bit too either... It's weird to say grindy as a thing that just beats Lotus, um, but also just fast. And the biggest thing is there's so much counterplay, and we've also already talked about things of, like, Everyone's bringing certain hate against uh, decks. Go blank in the main in game one is not fun as a Lotus player to go against. It's not backbreaking, but a deck that traditionally moles pretty aggressively and kind of often goes down to five because you're like, yep, we can do this. Um, yeah, that's a pretty big feels bad. And I think generally the, the matchups, look at the top five decks, right? There's a Phoenix. Um, it has a, a great cyborg option four just because i bring in blue spells that tell you no that's always really good against uh you know lotus oh by the way another top deck uh in the meta that also does the same thing blue light control i bring in blue spells that tell you no fuck you uh, we have burn it's just really fast and being a um me playing lotus uh plenty of times if you don't get that a boil grazer which you feel like you really want to mulligan pretty heavily into against burn it feels really really bad but then you're mulligan heavy into a boil grazer and then you might have awkward hands because of that you which stumble. is like you got a hard mulligan into an o3 yeah oops it's that's insane um because like i've been on games where like i feel like i have the nuts and they're just like i f i am speed it is me <laughs> uh then you have spirits another blue deck that tells you no but also has a fucking clock. Great. And then Nyawanota. I'm sure this is just like who plays with their dick the fastest. Who who's the who's the two pump chump between Lotus Field and Nyawanota? <laughs> <laughs> and that's who wins. So And, <laughs> and also, the, speak of collateral damage, um Deafening Silence is also completely devastating against this deck. Yeah. It, make, it makes it really hard to, like, have the speed in order to kill someone. Which Naya Winoda could even bring in if they feel like it. I don't know if they actually do. But. And then, look at the next few decks. Rakdos Pyromancer. Oh, I have all the discard ability on you? And I get to recur it? Yeah, go fuck yourself. Uh, Mono Black uh, Vampires. See Rakdos Pyromancer. Also, Soren dropping better card advantage. To be like, I draw so many cards, I take away your cards, and I just also have a genuine general clock. Hooray. Niftalite, bad matchup. That's a Lotus got it. Lotus has that most of the time. But it's like 60-40. Niv can still get there. And then what is this? Another combo deck in Jund that goes, I play Citadel and I can also beat you in your own game as a combo but also i can play the fair game and just kill you yeah um oh and then the deck that uh, we thought wouldn't fucking exist anymore that's still popping up in every goddamn challenge is the gruel deck 
I feel like that's probably really good against Lotus. You die now. Yeah. <laughs> and then more control. And then and then scissors. So yeah. Got a clock, plays blue spells, says no. Pretty yeah. good against Lotus. Yeah, but basically the pattern is are you super fast like burn? Do you have blue to say no? Are you something that's kind of combo-y as well or has that awkward just random kill you out of nowhere game plan like Jund and Winota? Or can you just say, fuck you, I'm going to make you get rid of your shit out of your hand in any black deck? That's what the meta is right now altogether. And that's what Lotus is just sitting there going, like the the fucking chuckle. I hate I'm, all of that. Yeah, I'm in danger meme. What are we? Just staring at all <laughs> these decks. Like the only deck I can see Lotus just being like, I, I'm not afraid of you, is, uh, well, I mean even even Niv, Niv to some extent. Even Niv's kind of, but they still have access to like, you just go bring to uh, uh bring to light into you uh, you can slaughter games. go for slaughter to games. Yeah, but like by that time, they got themselves a Lotus field. They generally now have like more than one card. To access their sideboard, like yeah, when it was like breach, you would just name Fae of Wishes, and now their sideboard was out of the picture. Mm-hmm. But that's no longer the case because they now generally have that, and then it could have actual wish or Mastermind's acquisition. Uh, maybe they have like that win card in their main deck, so it makes it a lot harder for you to actually like one shot win with an extraction effect. But it's still it's still powerful. But maybe. Thanks to our friends over at MTG Pioneer with this discovery that Galvanic Iteration is apparently broken in Lotus. Maybe we'll see Resurgence because I never thought about this card in this deck, um, but I can see it making sense. Um, uh, Galvanic Iteration, your pour over the pages, and then I guess between the copies you could, once the first one resolves, and then you f- you just then tap your Lotus, uh, Lotus Fields, float mana, and then the second copy resolves, and then you get double the mana, and then you draw six, discard two. That seems really good for a total of seven, which seems pretty approachable. Um, yeah, it's it's like I've, they they also have a turns version. Yeah, I see that. Uh, Alron's Biffity part of Waterfield. No temporal trespass. I, I'm claiming one percent of the credit for that idea. Just because you're hyping the card up. I just, I just made that tweet with like Galvanic Iteration Temporal Trespass and I said like Pioneer Deck? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's why I will claim 1% of the credit. Well, I probably deserve none, but I will claim it anyway. Um, So we said we'd do this briefly and here we are about an hour in, an hour later. So we'll go to the next thing, which was the next question, which was from um, Mindscrew. Idea for topic. Can we discuss what would be the ideal plans Wizards would have had for the format if COVID didn't exist? Uh, and then they have a second parter, which we will get into too. We'll get into later. So I think this one's pretty easy because when it came to... Uh, they should have acted on Inverter earlier. Aside from that, just do what they were doing. I think they were doing quite well with how to make Pioneer work. It had paper tournaments. It had online support. It was, you know, stores were playing it. Seemed good to me. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, right? Where it's just like, what do we think would have happened had COVID not hit? Um, I think historic wouldn't be a thing, to be honest. Maybe not. I think um, I think they would have pivoted into Pioneer um, over historic. Wouldn't surprise me. Or like, or they just would have done the merging thing that we've, we've been so afraid of for so long or whatever. But the merging thing would have actually just been like, yeah, these are one format now, and they would have picked a name, and then that would be the... It would be based on Pioneer, though, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, so <clears throat> there's not much, like, again, should have acted earlier on Inverter, which definitely, like, soured the format a little bit for, well, quite a bit for a while. Yeah. But, like, I'd consider how they started Pioneer as opposed to how Modern came to be, which had this huge ban list that made no sense and had to be, like, doubled in size in like two weeks with a whole bunch of cards that are still on there that probably don't have to be on there like fucking bitter blossom also the initial ban list but because of that like that contrast pioneers launch was so good mm -hmm. like i loved what they did they were like all right we have a clear idea for the identity so fetches are out like they don't fit in with what we want pioneer to be aside from that go wild and we'll just ban every week accordingly until we don't have to and basically that means in like six months we will have our initial like set ban list but instead of picking basically cards at random like they did with modern they finally did the thing where they're like hey our community is actually a resource that we can use, mm -hmm. right? Why would we sit in a room for an afternoon with five people and brainstorm if we can instead have two million people on this and for free. they can figure it out? Yeah, for free. They, they'll love it, right? They'll do it for free and they will absolutely love every minute of it. And I think that's a fantastic launch. It had, it meant, sure, it did mean that some people were like, hey, I'm going to sit on the side and wait for this all to sort itself out. Yeah. Because it's too turbulent. But even if it had an initial ban list, it would have had that because they would have gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. Just like with Modern, right? You could say, well, Modern started with a ban list. It's like, yeah, but were you buying into a Modern deck the first year? No. Because people were pitching Dragonstorm to their Blazing Shoal and killing you with Infect on turn two. So, it's not like it was any better over in Modern. But this was much more community involved. It was super fun. A lot of discussion, you know. I mean, got it. Uh, we didn't do it, but because we also didn't know each other, etc. But, like, man, it was a great time to be a content creator because the content made itself, yeah. which got a ton of eyes on the format, too. So, yeah, I, I think it was pretty flawless. And looking at the ban list again, just for remembering. Um, yeah, everything looks like it should be there. Um, Aside from Copter. And Kethis. I still think... I've come full circle where I think Kethis would just not be good in the format right now. <laughs> it might not actually be, no. It, it, it might have the same fate as Jeskai Ascendancy. Yeah. Where it's just like, if you want to cast a lot of spells in one turn, you should probably just be playing Phoenix. Even though I still think Ascendancy has legs. 
God, this ban list makes me so happy, though, for the most part. No Veil. No Breach. No Teferi. No Cat. Life's good. No Fuel of the Dead. Oh, life's good. Yeah, remember when Fuel of the Dead was legal? Seems <laughs> like a century ago. Holy shit. Yeah, because you had that land that, like, destroyed a land and extracted the rest, and then you played Oblivion Sower, and now you had four Fuel of the Dead. We love it. That was such a fun sideboard plan. Anyway, so the second part of their question was... Um, and then we're talking about Planeswalkers that are underused, or those you would like to see have more use in the format. And you had a couple, uh, Brad. Nessa Shakes the World. Karn the Great Creator. We talked about Mono Green earlier. Um, now look, Nissa deserves to be in a deck that is not fucking Mono Green. Stop only trying to make her work in a Mono Green deck. I get it. I really understand. I empathize. I understand. I get why you want it to be Mono Green. Because you're like, I want her thing to make sense because the passive for the forest double mana. Woo! Turn my forest into creatures. Cool. Great. However... She's so fucking good that if you have less forest in your deck, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. I mean, keep it light. You're already like, you go play Nissa on turn five, and you've got five mana. On turn six, you play forest, and now you've got 12 mana. Is this card no longer good if you untap, play a land, and you've got nine mana? On turn four Trash. or whatever. Trash. Like, Unplayable. Yeah, apparently. Unplayable garbage. Now, it now does, I see what you mean with it that. It does come into the issue of, like, where do you play it? Um, and my immediate, Yeah, my, my first thought is Sultai. Um, like, go back to the toolboxy Sultai version. Again, I know everyone's like, there's no Uro, so why would we play Sultai? Figure it out. Fuck you. Figure it out. That deck well, I mean, can Niv work. exists, so why would I play Sultai? Uh, yeah, that's that, that's true. Okay, well, let's go into a Sultai control variant to really stick it to Niv. Let's make a Sultai deck that just is... Its sole purpose is, like, I want to kill Niv. And then, like, you can, like, play Nissa and then, like, I don't know, have some sort of counter magic up immediately because you've got, like, extra mana. Sultai and... Flash. We did it. <laughs> that also plays Nissa. Oh, it's going to be, like, that standard deck. It's like, Sultai Tempo! And then eventually it starts playing, like, Nessas and Elder Gargaroths. And it's like, is this a Tempo deck? Yes. <laughs> Look at this no. big boy. He's drawing me a card. That's Tempo. I regularly tap out on turn five. <laughs> is this Tempo? Yeah, uh, Nessa. Then, then Karn. Karn because... I loved the mono-green version of Karn. I love the mono-white version of Karn. Um... I just think it's such a cool Planeswalker and deserves to see more play. And it has so many different avenues and decks it can be played in that can be really interesting. Remember the Kithian um, combo-y kind of deck with Karn? And, like, it played, like, uh, it just was, like, all the mana dorks or whatever. It was, it was just in Simic. Uh, I built it. The one that like, oh, would kind of just, like... but that was Karn Sinoverza, right? No, it, it was Karn the Great Creator it played. Oh, is fine. that the one with like Paradox Engine and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean you don't mean Kithian, you mean Kinnan. Oh yeah. Kithian is Gideon before yeah. he transforms. You, that's why you threw me off. Like, the Kithian one. Kinnan. Yeah, in Simic. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> what what is this? 
Um, yes, so, sorry, Kinnan from Ikoria. Um, that boy, which uh, that was a fun deck. It was just a headache to play. Remember when I was just like, I think I'm plussing three mana every time I do this, and you and I were just kind of like in the we're just talking through like my play because like you're basically sitting here like I'm pretty sure i'm eventually dead but we need to figure out if i'm actually dead so we're basically both co-piloting this deck <laughs> you're like yeah I do this, this is a collective experience now brad yeah it was great it's really just me wanting to play more magic so it's like i guess i'll play your magic <laughs> hey, why, why don't you play uh, uh emrakul in your uh, grixis control deck just oh, one of. <laughs> all the magic i get to play my magic <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking bugs bunny communist mirror it's like our deck. Our our magic. Yeah, ours. It is our our game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- those are like the two that first come to mind. I-, I mean, also, you and I would both pound the table and love if Pioneer was the place you could play Angrath. Especially now that there's the new promo coming oh out. Oh my. Which is yes, really nice dude. looking. But I think we talked a little bit about this. Like, another great card is Chandra Torch of Defiance. Um, yeah. But... I play her mono red. She's she's great. the The thing is with planeswalkers, and this is where we saw them more, is that a very common thing to happen with planeswalkers is that they were sideboard cards that you would bring in in slower matchups. Because if you have like a bunch of creatures, it's removal. Planeswalkers are like a nice curveball to throw your opponent. Now, first of all, we have a lot of cards that interact with both. Think Vanishing Verse, Dreadbore. Soul Shatter, Hero's Downfall, Counter Magic in general, Fateful Absence. Uh, there's a lot of cards now that either just say Creature or Planeswalker or Permanent. So this role that Planeswalkers have, where like in Standard, they would think like they're blanking your opponents, Cast Downs and Magma Sprays and Murders and Ravenous Chupacabras because they wouldn't hit Planeswalkers. Well, a lot of removal now does. So they've lost that. And I think the maybe more important one is that we don't have Renin 6, which means Planeswalkers can't go in Lurus decks. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of Lurus decks out there. You're now looking... I'll look at the top... What was it? Let's uh, head over to uh, Yule Pioneer. Format. Pioneer. Top. Deck. So... Um, we've got Burn, which is a Lurus deck, Pyromancer, which is a Lurus deck, and Soul, which is a Lurus deck, which already combines to be about 20% of the metagame. Uh, then you could see uh, Nif Delight, which can't tutor up Planeswalkers with Bring to Light, so there's, there's some in, but not as many. Um, Spirits, that plays a Flash game plan. So it doesn't actually want Planeswalkers because that resorts to playing Sorcery Speed, which defeats the purpose of bringing it in in slower slash control matchups. Because why would you turn your Flash plan into a Sorcery plan? And then Winoda doesn't really care about Planeswalkers because it needs creatures. So it doesn't fit into decks, and then it doesn't fit into Lurus decks, which are very prevalent. Um, Which is just another of the reasons why... Lurus sucks. Should we ban it? I mean, if we're if we're talking about fun or what I think breeds more creativity, 
I would lob it in with mystical dispute and be like, just get this shit out of here. Um, I you can't necessarily justify it via win rate. I don't think Luris is objectively too powerful, though I do think it's very powerful. It just means there's a lot of cool cards that you don't get to play. Like, we're off the back of Midnight Hunt, and Puppet Stitcher is a thing, and the first thing you think during revealing is like, oh, well, it's a three drop, so it's probably not seeing any play. And that is just super frustrating. Um... Now, I don't know if I look back fondly of when every deck had a three-mana Planeswalker in it. Like, I don't actually think that was, like, more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So, in that way, I don't miss it. And I think this is even an appeal to a Pioneer for a lot of people. I've heard plenty of people in recent times that were like, talk about Pioneer, saw it on Twitter, and people were dipping into Pioneer, and they were kind of happy, like, man, at least not every game has Planeswalkers in it now. Right? There's no Ren and Sixes or whatever the hell people play in, in Historic. Uh, no Teferi. There's some Teferi Hero of Dominaria, but, like, you know, whatever. That's a five-minute Planeswalker in a control deck, so, like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Of course it's going to be in there. That's where you find the Planeswalkers instead of everywhere. So, I think it's okay. But I just dislike Lurus. But I just hate Companions. If they would say, actually, all comp the companion rule will cease to exist. And these are now creatures that you just put in your deck. I think magic would be oh, better. I, I love Lurus in the main deck in a lot of decks. So, that yes, please. Yeah, man. Card's still good. Yeah. Like, it's still a good card. I, a lot of Yorion decks still play Yorion mm -hmm. as a creature. Because it's what your deck wants to do. But why not pick up the freebie? Yeah. And I think that's boring, right? You know, we... Like, decks aren't going to, like, Monastery Mentor or whatever. Because can't nourish it. So, not even gonna try. Wish that was any different. Plus, like, you look at the other companions. And, um... We mentioned this and talked about this off-cast. The big ones that are played, it's really Luris. And then it's Yorin, which is kind of niche. And then it's the cat one that's, like, in control decks because you just can. And then it's Gigantha because... That one's so stupid. Yeah. Because it's like, all your creatures in your deck, there are none. Yep. Okay, guess you can run it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how do they make it a rule where there's a you have to have, like, at least one creature? It'd be a really weird thing to well, put on the card. You can't do that one because that's one you can't check. That's true. All, all the companions are worded is that if your opponent is breaking the companion rule, it shows during the game. Right? They play Lutri, they play their second copy of a spell. They play Luris, they play permanent, that's three or more. If there's one that says your deck cannot contain creatures, well, your deck has to contain at least one other creature, and that creature has to be of type X or Y. And you play best of three against someone, and you're like, hey, I didn't I didn't see any elementals or beasts or cats in your deck. And they're like, guess it was on the bottom. There's no way you can check that. Which, I guess, if your opponent will just decide to never cast their second copy, if they even draw one in a Lutri deck, I guess that still allows them to do that. But whatever. Generally, they check out during a game. 
and Kahiro wouldn't. So, good reason just not to print that card. <laughs> but yeah, then there's Gigantha, which is like, yay, I'm not playing a card that has double spell requirement. So, I guess there's there's a 5-5 five five in my deck now. Yep. Turns out 8 mana is still worth it for a 5-5 five five if it's literally free. So, like, they're not even being played that much except for really Luris when it comes down to it. Yeah. Well, that's because Luris but, is such a good card. But it just feels weird to ban Luris when it's not being like problematically mm -hmm. powerful. It's just it's like the fairy time reveler in modern. Like this card is fucking annoying and nobody actually likes it. People who have to play it feel forced to play it because they don't actually want to play it, but it's just that good. But it's not obnoxiously powerful. And it's not unfun in the way Marvel is unfun or Tybalt's trickery is unfun. Where it feels like your opponent is just spinning the wheel. It's like, no, this is just an obnoxiously powerful, restrictive card. But that's not a reason to ban something. Yeah. But you could argue that the same reason they would ban or the, the reason they would ban Luris could be the same thing that they kind of said for Smuggler's Copter. It, yeah, it's in it, every deck. It, well, yeah. so is this. Yeah. So I yeah. I challenge Wizards. Either ban Luris or unban Copter. Also unban Copter. Dude, unban Copter. Unban Copter. Unban Copter. Like, the best Copter. You look at the meta now. Like, none of the... They're like, Bokter Bros in every deck. Well, none of the ones people are playing at this point. Burn might play it. Eh. I don't really care if Bird starts playing more creatures. It just means they're more vulnerable to removal. So, like, it might be a bump for Burn. Hey, but you know what, Brad? Just ban Luris. Yeah. Give me Copter instead of Luris. All these all these decks will be like, well, guess I'm a Copter deck now, and they'll just swap their Luris for Copters, and then same decks, but then without Companions. Mono Black would get a huge bump from it, but it could do with that bump. Mm-hmm. Mono green aggro gets a bump. Could do with that. Mono white aggro. It's fine. Not existent already, so maybe it just exists. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they play one of those like six mana Heliot payoffs that we discussed. And God. The... I, listen, I listened back to that part where we were talking about the devotion cards, the mm -hmm. white devotion cards. Yeah. And I went to that part where, I, where you had the six mana 1-3 and the seven mana 6-6 six, six flying in black. Mm -hmm. And I, I lost it again. It's great. Like, <laughs> I um, actually, I listened back to that and I noticed something. I don't know if you noticed it. You can tell me. Well, you said you skipped ahead, right? No, I I did listen to the oh, okay the whole thing. So, can you tell me if in the first like forty nine minutes, I sounded kind of like low and just very like not monotone, but like very low energy, and then around the fifty minute mark when we talk about mono white. And then, all, like leading into all the shit you're talking about, I perk up, and I'm just I'm I'm my quote unquote normal self because I noticed that, it that, and I, I hated that, it. That's when you hit your cocaine. Oh wait, we can't say that on the oh, cast. Yeah, thanks, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I I didn't actually pay attention to that. I, I didn't notice because I noticed it immediately, and I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with me? Why am I just like sounding from fucking depressed?" Um, <laughs> like I was just super low, but then like I asked a couple friends. And, like, 
they were like, I I see it when you mention it, but I never would have mentioned seen it otherwise. And I was like, hmm, hmm. Um, but yeah. And then we have technically two more questions, but one of them we're basically just going to include to say a later episode. <laughs> so, Alex, what is our last question we will actually answer? Yeah. Um, so, this is by... Um, let's see. Oh, actually, we had one that we forgot to um, put on the list, so we can touch on that briefly, too. Okay. But we'll do that one shortly. Same for this one. Um, Zangrief, with Pioneer on Arena in a standstill with Historic's Priority, could you see an Arena Pioneer format that is the current Pioneer Legal Arena card pool, plus about 100 cards that are prevalent in the format? Yeah, that uh, we, we thought that's what uh, was happening. Or what would happen? I could not, because, and that was the problem I always had when they were talking, like, when we get Pioneer to Arena, is that you're going to get, like, a faux Pioneer, and it'll have no innovation, because it literally cannot have innovation, because the cards aren't there. Mm-hmm. And the card that always came, comes to mind when I think of that is Back an Apparition. Which was a sideboard card that Spirits used when we still had Uro, mm-hmm. which is just an Orzov hybrid, so a white or a black, which would be a white in that case. Instant. Remove target card and a graveyard from the game. Put a 1-1 white and black spirit creature token with flying into play. This will just never happen if you get this faux pioneer. You never get cool innovations, weird tech, um an interesting angle to attack the format at or you know when we had uh no eyes on pioneer for a while and then it became kind of popular around that time where we got like historic horizons announced or whatever it's called and suddenly out of nowhere jeskai ascendancy and it was everywhere for a while that cannot happen if the cards just aren't in the game yeah so i think Pioneer Arena with only like what we have now plus 100 cards gets super stale. And because we don't have the cards sold, or then we're going to need to use different cards because, hey, I'd want to have back an apparition, but all I've got is like Vile Rebirth, which is kind of the same card, but not the same card. So guess I've got to run that. You just get two different there's, metas. There's it, feels like, it, it feels like you're playing two formats. Then there's not one pioneer. There's pioneer and faux pioneer. Yeah, and I don't think that matches at all. Well, I say yes. I can see this pretty easily. Not because it's the ideal thing and the right thing to do, but because it's it's what they would do. Yeah, exactly. Um, but have you seen Rotting Rebirth or Rotting Reunion? Rotting Reunion, right? It's from Midnight Hunt. That's what that's what's getting played now. It's the oh, same, yeah, same yeah. exact thing. So if you make a decayed zombie, I think. But isn't there one from actual Innistrad or like Shadows of Innistrad that's the exact same thing as? What was that from? There's a, there's one no, that it, makes it, a zombie, right? Yeah, Vile Rebirth. Is that Vile Rebirth? It's uh, one black for an instant. Exile yeah. target creature card from a ah. graveyard. Put a 2-2 black creature zombie into play. And Rotting Reunion is exile up to one target card. Being at a 2-2 with flat decayed. But this does have flashback. Mm-hmm. So they're not quite the same card. I understand. Love the reference on Rotting Reunion, by the way. Um... So, now the actual last question, and we'll go over this, try and go a little bit quickly, though it is technically like a four-parter. Epic asks, with Challenger decks now out, by the time this is released, 
what are some good play patterns to play with and against them so let's go like we go over every deck and we give one tip to play and one tip to play against so okay. i'll start us off so we go um because i always have one against auras when you are a control deck well against auras even though you generally take it out against aggro decks thought sees is a great card and you should keep it in and you should actually board in your thought sees mm -hmm. because playing against auras all that matters is the first three turns of the game because if you don't interact in those turns you're dead so um the, like even though you're in against an aggro deck and it's a terrible top deck you want to go that turn one thought sees see that hand with one creature and take that creature and the game is over now or take that one they play the second but you've got the push and the game ends and you need to have the thought sees for that because your curve your interaction as cheap as it gets shove anything from your sideboard in just to interact in the first three turns of the game and I think playing as auras, I find it a little bit more difficult because I have more experience playing against the deck than with the deck. Um, I think is that it's a deck where you are just going to run into the wall. So if I play against a control deck and I have like two creatures in my hand, I know it's risky, but I'm just going to take that risk. Because mulligan into oblivion means you're not going to like... Your, your all that glitters isn't good if there's only one other enchantment on the field. So I would say you should probably play pretty risky with the deck. Mm -hmm. Is there a tip and a top basically that you can uh, think of, Brad? Um, experiment with... Well... That's fucking hard to say because we're, we're talking about out the box, right? Yeah. So you just pick it up and you go to your FNM. You're going to play. What do you tell someone before they go into their first match? Don't just jam SRAM on turn two every time. Like you feel That like, is a very good one. You feel like you want to and your brain's like, but if he lives, this is going to, I'm going to go off. But there's the <laughs> But thing. he doesn't. He doesn't live. <laughs> Beta push still hits him. Now, you could get cheeky and you could be like, I played my turn one thing and then they fail to push it. And they're like, okay, maybe they won't have the removal, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little spoiler. Oh. They're going to have the removal again. They're going to have two fatal pushes in hand because <laughs> you're playing auras. And I think one more small tip I can think of. Karametra's Blessing only protects creatures once they're enchanted or if they're enchantments. Yes. So if you're trying to go, oh, I've got SRAM, a woman, a aura, and a Karametra's Blessing... That's not going to work out the way you think it does. Mm. As for playing... Oh, and I actually, I actually have one more that's going to mess you up too okay. if you make this mistake. If you give your creature pro-white with Elsid, <laughs> all the auras are going to fall off. Yeah. So, really funny. And that's also something to keep in mind. If you have like a blocker that is a white creature, know that they cannot give their creature pro-white because it's going to have all their auras fall off. So a white creature is actually a good blocker because they cannot give you pro-white. 
Except if you're at one, and they're like, what mm. pro wide all the auras fall off? I don't care. Hit you for two. But it's the last one. You go ahead, Brad. Um, and then I guess for playing against it, I mean, it, it really, the deck's so linear. It comes down to just like, you need to kill their creature. <laughs> Please, kill it. Get the, get the fuck out of here. Mulligan, a hand with no fatal push is not a hand. Yeah. Mo. And if you're not playing a deck that kills their creature, well, you're not winning the race, most likely. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit out of luck. <laughs> if you're playing Burn, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do, my dude. Uh, I don't well, know. Shock. Play with That's Fire their Creature. All right, so Spirits, Brad. You've got more experience playing this deck. Uh, so playing with it, playing against it. Hmm. Well, playing with the deck. Assume that when you open your seven hand, your opening seven hand, you look at it, and you see two lands, five cards, and you're like, there's a spell crawler, a brazen borrower. We'll get there. You won't. You won't get to that third land. I'm telling you right now, this is an extremely biased, not very helpful tip. Because this is what happened to me every time I fucking played the deck. <laughs> every fucking time. I'm like, two lander, got a queller in hand, all I gotta do is draw the land. Never drew the land. And my opponent's like, well, we got there. Um, but, I mean, really, is you, you, you need to play the deck like a true tempo deck. It's not an aggro deck. You need to actually act like you're playing mono blue. Um, if you ever play that in that standard environment of Ravnica, um, while Ixalan was still available and stuff. It's um, just, you know, but at the same time, you still have the chance to be aggressive. So don't sit there and be like, I need to have the tempo play of like, I can stop their thing and hit them, like do this like little, you know, parry kind of thing. It's like parry this motherfucker kind of <laughs> fucking casual. <laughs> parry this filthy casual. Yeah. Um, like you can play that style. But also know that if you can just drop a lord and drop another lord, you can probably, you should probably do that in a lot of situations. Yeah, spirits race is like ridiculously fast. As for playing against spirits, if they have it, they have it. Don't sit there and play around things so much. Don't be so afraid of Queller. Now, if it's an obvious Queller, and if they Queller it and you're going to lose or whatever, whatever. But you could always... Spirit is very value-centric, right? And Spirit players want to be very value-centric. So because they're playing a lot of things at instant speed with Flash, let's say they have three mana for a Queller. And you're like, nah, pass to you. They're going to sit there and look at their Queller, and they're going to be like, they're going to have that moment like, do I just Flash in the Queller for nothing? Or do I just pass back to me? Do with I play no, a three mana two three flash? <laughs> yeah, with like no value. Put them in the position of being in the driver's seat, and if you're able to, respond to them and force them to act first, because they they're gonna really hate not making use of their mana. They're also gonna really hate not interacting with you. So you put them in this really awkward spot and be like, "Ha ha, you gotta do it. You gotta do all the work," um, and then bait them. Always try to bait them. If you have something that's going to get quellered, but you have another thing that could get quellered, come on, test the waters. Because if you, if, because then another thing, again, they want to make value out of shit. 
So I'm not saying they're going to call her an opt. I'm just saying you opt, right? Yeah. Instead of doing the, the normal thing that you want to do, the thing you want to get down that Clark can grab. And they're going to be like, hmm, he didn't do anything last turn. He just passed back to me. Is this all he really has is just an opt? I guess I'll quelter it. I really want to get value of some kind out of this fucking thing. And then you're like, ha ha. Extinction event. So I, I think to go into that point, um, I said, if you're playing spirits, if your opponent has like five cards in hand and they play a card into your three mana, that's the card they want you to queller. Mm. Unless it's like Anger of the Gods, so you have a board full of cards. Um, I think another thing to play against it is that a thing that I've fallen for in the past. So you're very tempted to be like, they go like rattle chains. It's like, oh yeah, they play the rattle chains, right? Trigger on the stack, I'll push it. But if, it, and I also had like a counter spell. It's like, well, but I'll just let it resolve because I have the push available. But in that window, all spirits in their hand now have flash. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can counter the queller, uh, sorry, not the queller, the rattle chains. That means they don't get to play any cards for that turn because they sometimes bank on that rattle chains, then flesh in something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think playing as spirits, especially if we're linking challenger deck out of the box, your mana's bad. And you need to play accordingly. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to mulligan more aggressively for better mana. You're going to lose games to your mana, and it's going to be frustrating. And I think it's something to be extremely mindful of. Just when, like, playing... Sometimes you're going to have to plan, like, an extra turn ahead. Just you got to, like, play around your sources. Right? If you have... You might have to play, like, a selfless spirit earlier than you want. Because you want to have the white mana available on a later turn for your spell queller. Because you only have, like... Let's say you've got, like, four islands and a plains. So on turn five, you can't actually go selfless spirit spell queller because you don't know the mana for it so that um, selfless spirit has to be played earlier and I think as a last point and in general thing spirits matchups whether playing with or against differ wildly on whether or not there's a turn one mausoleum wonder on the field like if there's a turn one mausoleum wanderer the game probably ends like three turns earlier than it would otherwise. So get aggressive, start interacting, start trading if you're on the defensive side. If a turn one Muslim Wanderer comes down, the game just went into overdrive. That's my experience playing that matchup. Then, um, yeah, mono, mono red aggro. Um, I think this is the most straightforward deck. This is the Torbrand one, right? That has Torbrand yeah. in it? Yeah. Um, Torbrand's great. Kill him. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. And like... If Torbrand lives for more than one turn, you are dead. On the flip side, as a modern red player, if you have multiple Torbrands in your hand, like if you if you open your seven and you have a, a playable first couple turns and, and you're like, but you also have two Torbrands keep it that's keep yeah because the first like, one's gonna die yeah so play the second one don't be afraid of the legendary rule baby just fucking just hold on to him let's go he's gonna he's nope. gonna help you out <laughs> no breaks just um mm. yeah it's great yeah i think 
it's very it's just this deck is so straightforward in the sense that like what you know about playing against aggro just applies here like you know keeping your high life total at a certain range they're playing mono reds keep in mind you might be bur get burned out of the game so like if you're playing a control deck sometimes you know having a creature resolve and then kill it is better than countering it even if your counter spell might have like a surveil staple to it or something because you actually want to have that counter spell later because ending a game with a handful of removal and then being burned out is extremely frustrating and also just meant you made a mistake in your game because a lot of the cards in this deck do not actually have like etbs or immediate effects same with like torbran you can have Torbrand resolve and then kill him. It doesn't change anything, except they might, like, shock you in response. So that's the thing to be mindful of. They go Torbrand with two mana up, and you're like, oh, I'll let it resolve, then kill it, and they just go shock you, shock you. You've just taken four extra damage. Mm -hmm. Feels good. Depending on what side you're on. God, I love Torbrand. Um, now for the Lotus... Or unless you have other tips? No. Lotus. Okay, the Lotus one. The easiest one. Which a lot of people will make the mistake of, I think. I think a lot of people are going to change it around and have like Sultai Ultimatums in them. So I'm going to touch on that one really quickly. Because they're going to go to their store and then pay an extra two bucks to get a playset of that card. Because that should have been in the deck. Mm -hmm. If your opponent goes Sultai Ultimatum and they give you the basic Pyramid to the Abyss, Pour Over the Pages, Omniscience. That's the pile they're often going to give you. You give them omniscience and pour over the pages. Yep. You cannot have them resolve peer into the abyss because you lose. Because either they're going to draw half their deck, untap two lands, and then hidden strings, warp over the pages, Fazir, they'll find a way to get there. Or you give them omniscience and peer, and duh, you've lost the game. Yep. <laughs> like... <clears throat> your opponent has half their deck in their hands and all their spells are free. You've lost. What you're banking on is you give them omniscience, you let them cast pour over the pages, and they brick. Or, alternatively, and I guess this is the one exception where you can actually give them omniscience and pour, and that is if they tap out completely, they have omniscience, they play it, they put pour on the stack and you kill the omniscience. You destroy the omniscience. I mean peer. Sorry, no, they put peer on the stack. They have omniscience in play. Yeah. And you destroy the uh, omniscience mm -hmm. with peer on the stack. So they draw half their deck, but they don't have the mana to cast it. Now the problem with that is what they're probably going to end up doing is play peer first, draw half their deck, then play Omniscience for free, but then I guess still, and then Omniscience resolves, it's on the battlefield, now they put a Hidden Strings on the stack, and that's your first point of interaction. And now they already have two Lotuses untapped, and half their deck in their hand, they're dead. So, Odds are that they're not gonna, think that's, that. that's the problem though, they're not gonna probably cast Hidden Strings first, because the first thinking is all your things are free, there's no reason to be untapping through Lotus Fields. Yeah, so... I guess that ties into the tip when you're playing it is that if your opponent gives you pair and 
omniscience, either they've made a mistake and they lose, or they're giving you a chance to mess up. So in that case, you go pair first. It's free anyway. You don't need the omniscience in the play. Pair first, draw, play the omniscience. You get, still have priority. And the first thing you do is you cast a hidden strings or a pour. And that means that they you can even win the game through a disenchant effect now. Mm-hmm. Also, you can bait the hell out of him with Notion Thief. So you can actually give him the pair and I'll be like, ha ha! Fuck you. That's true. But I think that's that's the main tip I give you. The Sultai Ultimatum package. Um generally you always go pair you always go pour over the pages and omniscience. Unless you're a po- because otherwise um you're basically saying like, okay, if you give them pair plus any of the other two cards, you're basically handing them like the reins and being like, here, you make a mistake. But if your opponent actually knows how to pilot the deck, you need to rely on them bricking, not relying on them making an error. Yeah. I think just... And I have another tip if you... Nope, yeah, or you go, go first. Nope. You have another... nope. All right. Nope. If you're playing a control deck against this de- against this and they cast a wish card they are going to wish for thought distortion play accordingly either counter the wish or know that like hey i have a thought seize in my hand they don't have the mana right they're setting up for next turn the next turn open with the thought distortion hidden strings go off and then you're like all right do your wish thing, all right? There's your thought distortion. Untap, thought sees you. Take it out of your hand. If you don't have that, no Narset's reversal, no anything, you counter the wish. Because otherwise they just grab thought distortion, you instantly lose the game. Or, alternatively, your hand is two lands, a Gear Hulk, a Notion Thief, and a, or that. And a dick through time. But then I would have still probably countered the, the tutor just because I don't want to give them information. True. But yeah, that can happen too. Um, yeah, I think I only have one thing of advice for... Uh, I don't have anything for playing against it just because like it's, it's a combo deck. Unless you're playing control, you're, you're at the mercy of them comboing <laughs> off or not. Truly. As for playing the deck, remember, hidden strings untaps two lands. <laughs> oh, I also think one tip playing against it, a damping sphere isn't as good as you think it is. Because it is the most obvious answer, so they are giga prepared. Yeah, they they usually have three like, wilts in the board. Yeah, they have three wilts in the board. They will... Um, I mean, you can get people. If they do the greedy, like, turn two, Lotus Pass, you're like, okay, Dampic Sphere, that taps for colorless now, you can play the game. That might work, but don't think, like, oh, my five-land hand with two Dampic Spheres is going to get me there because I'm going to completely lock them out. It's like, no, you still need to actually win. I would rather mow into a hand with a clock and one Dampic Sphere 
than a hand with no clock and two damping sphere. Because they'll find a way. And there's so there's more parts to Epic's question. Um, no, with challenger decks now out by the time it releases, what are some good play patterns to play with and against them? Oh, so, you said four part question, and I was I, you meant because there's four, four decks. challenger decks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck, that was part one. That was me. My, <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was thinking. Because <laughs> I'm starting to starting to feel the fatigue. Um, and then the last question that we cannot answer tonight, Alex, I, I don't, I don't have in front of me oh, who said yes. it. Um, T-Bell Tacos are a known Sultai Stompy player and actually also brewed up some other cool decks with Midnight Hunt. Um, I know it was done before, but a refreshed episode on how to beat the major decks, run down the top 25 decks, ambitious, and talk through shortly... We don't do shortly over yeah. here. <laughs> Their game plan and best way to beat it from the aggro and control lens. So, I think this is this is an episode we're probably just gonna have to like redo every once in a while, mm. which I don't think is a problem. Do quarterly, but three, I every think, three months. I think we did a top fifteen or a top ten, and it was a two-parter. Yeah. So, this one will take a while. So I don't expect this for a bit because. I think we're starting with like Crimson Vow spoilers and teasers next week. Something like that. And then we so, have Kamigawa next in January after that. And like this shit's coming up fast, dude. So like this is going to yeah. be a very so, strange looking <laughs> format for the next few months. So I don't know when we're going to have a refresher on this, but I do. It is something we keep in mind. And we do, it's an episode that people want us to do and want us to redo every once in a while. So we'll uh, keep an eye out for that. But otherwise, we did it. It is four. It it is third fourteen past four in the morning. It is time for Alex to go to bed. We're right at the two hour and thirty minute mark. I do not have to do reminders at the door because I did that while Alex went to go get a drink earlier in the podcast. So I have the day off tomorrow, folks. Don't worry. Me too. And all I have hey. to do, I might be going to Epcot though. So ooh, I'm um, going to an F and M, but that's evening. Yeah. And I'm going to get a haircut. I need. I haven't been in so long. Me too. Uh, I'm like uh, almost two years now. I'm like, I look like a not well taken care of bear. Like this is this is not good. <laughs> I I got a haircut on January 11th of 2020. Was the last haircut I got. Oh oh my. Okay, that is <laughs> no. Mine was like four months ago or yeah, three. No, January like 11th of 2020 was the last time I got a haircut. <laughs> Can't you tell? <laughs> Fair. Um. <laughs> but yeah we love you guys thank you so much for listening uh we apologize for not being here for the last uh, couple weeks um life is busy but i think we made up for it with a, a pretty fun episode and uh, we're back at our original I, selves being two and a half hours long <laughs> yes i but i will pre-warning i do have exams coming up so i don't know if we could squeeze one in next week or maybe the week after might be difficult so we'll have to see so there might be a little bit of a gap again but thanks everyone for listening again thanks everyone from the discord uh for the input for having some things to talk about yep um that's obviously i now asked but we're always open in the mailbag throw in if you have a cool idea for an episode a thing you want to see a thing you want us to talk about um pineapples and pizzas or 
how to make magic cards work or how to play against certain decks, whatever, throw it our way. We love getting input on what you want to listen to. Because we enjoy talking about anything, right? I enjoy Brad's company regardless, so hey. Oh, thank you so much. Likewise. Love you. Love you, buddy. I love you too. Even though you fucking hate pineapple and that's disgusting to me. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, we love you too. You guys are awesome. And we hope you listen to us. And see you next week or the next couple weeks. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.